dead morgues and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life seeking human victims. Bodies must be carried to the street and burned. They must be burned immediately, soak them with gasoline and burn them. Everyone who dies should become one of them. If you are bitten, you would just become one of them that much This show will pollute listeners' ears with foul language, occasional sexually explicit content, and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. In the last several years, distributors of obscenity have expanded into new areas, employing new technologies and reaching new audiences. Neither our Constitution, our courts, our people, nor our respect for common decency and human suffering will allow this trafficking in obscene material. Cinema PsyOps. Which exploits women and men alike to continue. Sharing filth-laden desires on mic to warp the brains of listeners until they are all demented deviants. Federal laws are being violated, and thus I am committed to redoubling the federal effort to ensure that those criminal elements who are trafficking in obscenity are pursued with a vengeance and prosecuted to the hill. The fact that society is becoming much more open now, uh, less repressed, and I think there's less need for... Cinema PsyOps. Without dignity, they shout into the void in a vain attempt to be loved. Living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent now with this kind of access to... Cinema PsyOps. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. A pirate ship with a tattered flag, sailing across seas of questionable movies while firing cannons of disdain. Cinema PsyOps. Long may she sail. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. We have hit episode 201, so therefore we have now made 201 weeks straight without missing release, regardless of whatever weird tragedies and craziness is going on in our lives. Speaking of weird, crazy tragedy, it's Matt. Everything's gone wrong. (laughs) There's a black cloud over the world, and I think it's me. (laughs) When I go down, I don't want you to resuscitate me. Just watch me die. Stand over me, too. (laughs) You should get that tattooed across your chest. 
Christ. So, yeah. Do not resuscitate Do not in like resuscitate. really fancy old English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but here's my problem. None of the younger generation can read old English, so they're just going to try to resuscitate me. <laughs> well, if they're living the thug life, they can read it because yeah. they're used to it from the thug life. But they can only read if it says thug life. They don't know any of the other word letters. <laughs> so you have to get it in like big impact block yeah, yeah. print. Yes. Yeah. It has to be times Who Roman. Who are we kidding? It'll have to be a new like fucking fangled emojis and shit <laughs> yeah. for kids. Yeah, right. For like a young EMT to know what the fuck you're talking about. When did we get old? <laughs> We're like these young kids and these young assholes. And <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> really fucking is. But 201 weeks, that's nothing to shake a stick at. No, man, through sicknesses. We got a guy here right now who can't hear out of one ear. <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit of an ear infection, but uh, I'll be fine. Fucking, I've shit my pants before. I mean, just, I mean, just is just great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually have. Yes, yeah. I've shit my pants before. I've done the show where I'm like, don't come to the house, just go by Skype, yeah. and I'm like there with the flu. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm fucking dying. Stay home, but we're recording. <laughs> we're recording, dude. I've done it too, where I've had the flu. To, there have yeah. been times where I've stopped recording to go throw up or shit, so I didn't <laughs> shit my pants again, and then come back and do the show. I put that in one of the outtakes, and I think people thought you were joking. Yeah, no, I was like, no, dude, I have to go throw up. I'm like, cool, go. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I had to go. And one of the last times I just had the flu, it, we were recording, and I was in the bunker, and I was legit during while I'm reading the notes, I am getting the shakes because I'm like getting cold chills, and, <laughs> and yet I'm in a hot sweat, like a cold sweat, cold chills. I'm shivering while reading into my microphone these notes, and I'm like, fuck, if this is it, if I die right here, be like, I died doing this podcast. <laughs> That's fucking rad. <laughs> well, the people who want 200 more and 200 yeah. more and 200 more, that's what's going to probably end up happening. Yeah, we're going to die doing this. I mean, you stand a one in seven chance per week of it being that day. Heck, just the car wrecks that, you know, you, take, you just take extra chances. <laughs> I mean, still, if I died a car wreck on the way here, on the way home, that's still dying for the show. Why are we talking like this? Because that was a legitimate fear that crossed my anxiety-ridden mind when it was like 20 minutes past the time you were supposed to be here and I hadn't heard from you. Yeah, you thought I was dead. And I'm like, okay, now I know he's usually running late, but he usually texts. So then I was like getting worried. I was all in like dad mode. Yeah. And I don't want to feel like a fucking father. No, you you definitely don't want to feel like a dad. <laughs> no, I don't want to be concerned about other people. I don't have to worry about them and all that kind of shit. But my yeah. anxiety is like, fuck you, dude. You're going to worry anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> welcome to anxiety. And it's because it's right before the well, show. Welcome. I've had it all this time. And so you can't inject any marijuanas to help you with anxiety because <laughs> it's illegal in this state because <laughs> our governor is super uncool. Are you doing a bunch of backflips to talk about how I should treat my anxiety with medical marijuana? Yes. But that's not in this state. It's No, I'm saying, though, because our governor's so uncool. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fuck, let's do some weed. <laughs> Clip. Yep. Yeah, but what we really need to talk about is your absolute favorite of the series. Yes. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. How many quiddle debates did we have, which basically was, well, this is the reason why I like the one I like more. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Like, constantly. Like, we still do to this day. <laughs> we, we Not as bad anymore. I think we've both just accepted whose favorites well, is what. And but. it was never like, it was never like, I'm trying to persuade the other person. It was just like listing all the reasons why you should like Day of the Dead more than you do. Yeah. For me, and then yeah, vice versa. It made you me like, say why you should like Dawn more. Yeah. So I feel like... 
like anything that I have that's going to be like somewhat, not necessarily negative, but like not as loving as what you're going to be, like not yeah. as enthusiastic as what you're going to be. Yeah. Anything I have to say like that, you're going to be, you just don't like it because it's happier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not even all that happier. Not really. I mean, yeah. When we, when we actually. Holy fuck. If you really like look at it, Day had a lot more of a happy ending, happy ending than Dawn. Kind of. Kind of. But, but Dawn should have had an significantly more, more nihilistic. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to kind of go through the different versions of it, too. We're covering the regular theatrical release. I cut, noticed that because this is like cut. the first time I watched it where I'm like, hey, wait, that scene's gone. Yeah. Hey, wait, what happened to that scene? Hey, wait, that scene's gone. And I'm like, oh, I haven't. And we'll we'll talk about the different versions as we're kind of going yeah. along. But I do want to kind of break it down. Mm-hmm. What most people understand as the quote unquote director's cut is actually George's first cut that got shipped around festivals. Then he chopped it down to the two hour version that got released theatrically. Yeah. And that's that's his final version of it. It's just the other version had more stuff in it and it was longer so they released it as his director's cut when it should have just been called work cut or, or, yeah, or yeah, yeah. extended cut or something along those lines. Now there's a third cut of this on top of that that Dario Argento did because Dario co-produced this. Yeah. Now Dario Argento's cut that was released overseas in Europe and like in Italy and those territories I actually enjoy more than either two of George Romero's cuts. I don't think I've ever seen that cut. Oh we'll have to watch it someday. I guess yeah. yeah. I don't. Maybe I have in the time I've known you. I might have seen it and yeah. just not realize I've seen it. Dario Argento uses more of Goblin's actual score. He uses less of the needle drops. Yeah. The way that he cuts it takes out some of the more fun and wacky elements and emphasizes on the horror and the guts and the grew. Okay. So it's like almost a Day of the Dead version of Dawn of the Dead. Nice. The way that it's done. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Maybe I won't like that as much because one of the things I love about Dawn is how in one minute it you get this happy and goofy little soundtrack and everyone one's just kind of messing around and then the next minute it goes dark like that like a snap of a finger yeah but we're gonna get into all that yeah but i, I just i wanted to it. mention it one thing i have realized though is how much i love this movie but how much i hate doing notes for this movie <laughs> yeah i'm because not looking forward a, to trying to notate it's a lot of jumping day. it's a lot of jumping from one scene to another scene to like the characters split up a lot especially yeah. in the beginning it, the way the camera jumps you're going from one story to another so you're like at one point i almost thought about just going fuck it here's all what happened and then integrate into that here's the next things that were happening at the same time <laughs> my wife brought up a good question is this in the same universe as night of the living dead or is its own story i say yes you say yes so because it is like part there, two there are references in dawn of the dead to things that are happening yeah particularly when they are flying west there are references to things that are happening in various parts of pennsylvania mm-hmm. and those references and i pulled that as a clip because yeah. One of them references around where I grew up. But it's so funny. I've never thought about that. But, you know, I've just enjoyed these dead movies in George Romero's universe. I've never put it down that they were all the same, like in the same like yeah. universe. I always just thought Night of the Living Dead was its own thing. Dawn of the Dead was its own thing. You know, this version, like, okay, Night of the Living Dead was, this is what happens if the zombie outbreak happened in the 50s or the 60s, I should say, the 60s. Yeah. And then day, or Dawn of the Dead is what happens if the viral outbreak started in the 70s and then day was this is what happens if it happens in the 80s and the difference of things happening in those time frames that George could point out in a movie the under part of what he's trying to talk about in society mm-hmm. the social commentary that's in these films yeah is very much exactly what you described and I think that's why I look at it that the way the problem of society that needs to be taken care of or that we're not dealing with mm-hmm. in this decade has to do with the subtext 
context of the film. Yes. The actual storyline itself with the outbreak, I absolutely 100% believe that the outbreak story all follows a pattern and actually takes place across an area in time. And there are actually characters later on in the series where he has them showing up in different films. Oh, really? Oh, that's true, especially in the later ones. Yeah, from Land of the Dead on, there are characters from... You show up every... So, okay, yeah, so it's... It just... But you know what? With zombies moving that slow, and, and like his movies, they're dead, they're all messed up. Yeah. You would maybe have ebbs and flows of, okay, so it starts, and now the zombies kind of have us reeling, and then almost maybe like end of night, things are starting, they like are starting to pass things up, but you can never really get the problem dealt with. Then we roll into the 70s where, okay, now we're starting to lose it again, and and then you roll into the 80s where we just never got it back. Well, I don't think it actually spans decades like that. Yeah. You have to sketch the idea of the story itself taking place across decades because the reason that it takes place across decades is dealing with the societal commentary. Yeah. The actual flow of it all, you can actually tie it together mostly through the geography that George is writing about. Uh -oh. Where these things take place, you can actually see where as something hits, people would flee off to the various areas that yeah. the other movies start to take place at. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's something that I've kind of toyed around with kind of not necessarily writing fan fiction, but sort of writing fan fiction to tie it all together. Yeah. And it's like a radio play thing that I was going to actually do for the show. And oh, nice. I'm hoping to get it done and ready to go before the end of this run. That would be fun to listen so to. So that we can kind of break it up for the next couple of episodes. I'm thinking there's at yeah. least there's at least two movies that are going to need a little something extra on the episode. Yeah. Diary and Survival. How dare you, sir? How fucking dare you? How dare I be accurate? Now fucking stop it. Wait, are you defending survival too? No, 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 no. Fuck that. Just diary. <laughs> Wait, you're going to defend diary, but you're yeah. going to leave survival flapping out in the wind. Yes, I will. <laughs> oh, longest goddamn intro ever. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what it's like whenever we start talking Romero shit. Yes, yes, especially shit. Romero shit. Yeah, and I can't believe you're going to defend Diary. Diary is a good movie. I fucking love Diary of the Dead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine, fine. My obsession level stops at Tattoo Sleeve. <laughs> I can't go beyond that to Diary. <laughs> but I also have not watched it in since it came out. Yeah. The last time I watched it, it was like a ripped DVD that a friend of mine who's been dead for a long time gave me. Oh. So... That's the last time I watched that yeah. movie. So I'm going to revisit it for this series and we'll see how I feel about it. You should feel good about Diary. At least Diary. I get survival. Don't get me wrong. I watched that. I was like, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure how good I feel about Dawn. What? <laughs> I'm just fucking with oh, you. No, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was going to try and hold that for the break and then come back and be like, no, no, I was just fucking with you. But I can't even do it. Yeah. I can't because I do. I love Dawn. Yeah, just, it just, it's just not my absolute it's not favorite. It's your absolute yeah. favorite. Yeah. Of the, I would actually put it above night. I actually love in reverse order, day, dawn, night. And I love dawn, day, night. So there you go. Yeah. So your number two and my number two are just Actually, long. wait. <sighs> Fuck. It, it, depending on my mood, right now, I'm a dawn, day, night, but that I could also be a dawn, night, day. I flip <laughs> day and night over, depending on how I feel. I've lost the plot. I can't follow that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea where you're at on this. I don't know either anymore. I'm I gotta, fucking spinning. I got to get my bearings here. Will and you like, help me like, out, please? Yeah, I'm going to fucking fall over like Lucille 2 and fucking <laughs> Arrested Development here. Listen, I think I dropped my old rig. We're in trouble. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to play a promo for the Legion Podcast Patreon ad. We're going to have some music from the Dawn of the Dead soundtrack on vinyl for you freaks out there. Yeah. And when we come back, we will have the trailer. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet. 
My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room... from what part of the movie do you remember that is when they're getting the guns from the gun store awesome okay so maybe you do love this movie as much as you said because you recognize a clip drop from the audio of that section (laughs) goddamn right (laughs) do you think you'll recognize what i have to play next for you oh what's that this trailer in 1968 george romero brought us night of the living dead it became the classic horror film of its time Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. We need to get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their life. What is it? We've got a war. I'm afraid. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon, it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. They must be destroyed or 
on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the dead. I will say this for Dawn. She gives good trailer. Yeah, that was decent. Yeah, nice. Anyway, Dawn of the Dead. We begin with a young woman sleeping, and uh, she's having what can only be uh, really described as a nightmare. Uh, And she's woken up by a gentleman stating that the shit has really hit the fan. She stands up with another woman, and, uh, well, actually, another girl sits down next to her and says she's dreaming, and she says, no, you're not. And what we can hear in the background is just chaos. So this is right now my most favorite time in any movie is when there's nothing but fucking chaos everywhere because fucking A, that means some good shit's about ready to happen. And in some of the cuts, you can kind of tell, too, that they're in some type of a studio. There's carpeting on the walls. There's equipment that they show. Yeah, they're in the studio. A lot of quick jump cuts to stuff. Yes, yeah. Anyway, she stands up and swaps her coat blanket for some coffee from another woman. She's told by the woman that a lot of guys have already jumped ship, and she doesn't even know how long they'll be left on the air. And at some point in this conversation, somebody talks about how they've been doing this for three weeks yes there is some yeah you hear it in the background here. like no one actually says it to like in front of the camera yeah it is definitely said in the background while she's watching stuff you just hear a person say i can't believe we've been doing this three weeks yeah it's been they've been broadcasting like this solid for three weeks yeah. and people are starting to get so this outbreak that has happened in dawn of the dead is three weeks in yes so or at least that's how long they've been reporting like this so yeah it might even be a lot more weeks it's just been three weeks now where it's been bad enough that they have to be on air all the time. But one would logically assume yeah. that it's the start of the... I would say probably we're at five or six weeks into the infection. So the actual shit that is happening is several weeks after the initial right yeah. of Night of the Living Dead, as far as I'm yes. concerned. So all the stuff that was happening in the farmhouse happened anywhere from three to, you're estimating, five weeks ago. Yeah, five Yeah, five weeks ago. Yeah, But I would assume that as soon as it started happening in that crazy frenzy that was happening in Night of the Living Dead with the reporting, yeah. that this is like the sister station, like Pittsburgh station that was reporting mm-hmm. in night. This is in Philadelphia, so I always assumed this was like a sister station. Probably. Or something like yeah. that that's reporting as well, and they're kind of working in tandem. Oh, of course. I mean, that's how all of it would work. Uh, well, people are booking it, and chaos is ensuing. This is a television studio, and we see two men are arguing in front of the camera. Uh, the host and his guest are both arguing about what needs to be done. We can hear the guest in the background arguing that we need to be more logical, and things need to be handled, while the host is speaking more from like an emotional standpoint. Again, Rob Zombie sampled the shit out of this. So yes. You've heard it before. Yeah. The things that it kills get up and kill. Yeah. But while they're arguing, so is the rest of the studio. People are arguing with one another. They're arguing with the people who are on the stage. They're throwing things. It's just mass hysteria, which cats and dogs living together. Yeah. Yes. It's just awesome. It's just great. Oh, I uh, also wanted to point out the sort of older gentleman with the big uh, dark glasses. Yes. The big like Coke rim style no, glasses. No, no, he wasn't wearing any glasses yet. No, no. He's a he's a stagehand guy. You would oh, miss yes, him if you're yes. not paying attention to him. Okay, yeah. But he walks up and fiddles around with some electronic stuff uh-huh. by the main reporter guy. Yeah. Who's doing the arguing and it was like, you know, stop trying to uh-huh. you know, like uh politicize or whatever yeah, the yeah. shit he's saying there. That guy that walks up there and then he walks past and does some adjustments with the cameras and yeah. stuff. That was a teacher of mine in school. Really? When I was in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. nice. He actually worked at the TV station and ended up being like an extra. Oh, cool. Well, you do see George Romero here. He is working the board. And the with another person next to him? and the woman sitting next to him is his wife correct uh, i believe a girlfriend at the time girlfriend. but yes eventual wife yes but eventual wife yeah. one thing i always laugh about with george is because a lot of the things you see for 
from George Romero nowadays is, you know, before his passing was when he was much older. But you forget George Romero was a big lumbering dude. Yeah. Like he was huge. Well, when you saw him as a very young man in Night of the Living Dead yeah. as a reporter, like he was a humongous guy. He was really freaking tall. Yeah, he's a And tall. he was really stacked. Like his shoulders were really broad. When I pointed that out to my wife, she was like, that's not George Romero. I go, yeah, it's George Romero. And she's like, holy shit, he's huge. I go, yeah, he's a big dude. It was before the cancer he, started eating him away. And yeah. Uh, what we know him as now. Yeah, exactly. There are rescue stations that are being running, uh, but uh, we are informed that half of them have already been knocked out. Our young lady in question, her name is Fran. I'm just, I'm going to stop pretenses. I'm just, we know it's Fran. Uh, Fran insists that they be taken down and it says she'll get a new list. This angers her boss. And as they argue live on air, many more people start abandoning the post. So he starts yelling at her from like one of the overview rooms and she's down on the floor. They're yelling at each other. They're live on air. That's pissing the two people on the actual desk off. Who's the who, host actually breaks decorum and screams, get that fucking idiot off yeah, the air. Yeah, get that fucking idiot off the air. What's this motherfucker doing? I mean, he yeah. loses it. Right when this starts happening, three more people get up from their stations, just fucking leave. The boss tries to tell the cop to stop him. The cop looks at him and follows him right out. Shit has hit the fan. Well, it's he's fucking over. My favorite part of that is the guy that he's yelling at right next to just yeah. basically says, fuck this, gets up and leaves the console. Yeah. He yells at the guy to get on the console. Then there's some guy just standing there who's clearly burnt out. Yeah. That's the second guy who leaves because uh -huh. the boss yells at him to get on the console. Yeah. They all just fucking are just yeah. burnt out. And, and then he yells at the security guard to stop them. And the security guard's like, yeah, whatever. And I love the security guard grabs his jacket. Yeah. And literally just shakes his head like, take no. this job and shove it. Yeah. I, well, and everyone's in there. You're not with your family or your friends. You have no idea what's happened to them out there in Unless this madness. Unless your family and friends work there, too. Yeah, exactly. But you have no idea what's going on out there in the madness. If they've been doing this for three, three solid weeks and been in there, none of them been outside that fucking building. They don't know what kind of... The smell. The smell. The horror that has to be out of that building. The level of anxiety that has to be raising in the people stuck inside of it. Exactly. Not knowing what's happening out there. Only going off reports they're getting. Although, in the end, even though the people out there might be dealing with the problem, those people inside might be more well-versed at dealing with it because they probably have the most up-to-date information you can get about where it's at and what's happening with it. But they're giving all incorrect information out to the For the rescue the stations because yeah. he wants them to keep running or else None he None of this is a mistake. It's keeping t people the, viewing the TV. Yes. All that matters regardless of what's He even happening. says that. He says when rescue stations aren't up, people will tune out. He's so set and he's so crazed about these ratings that he's lost all decorum and about viewers, human yeah. decency. Yeah, that's by no mistake that it was engineered yes. in that way oh, to of have course. that stuff happen. We now get the facts as the doctor on the show listed. They kill for food. He also brings up the government is stating that people can no longer hold up private residences. So martial law is in the fact for well, what we know for definitely for Philadelphia, but we're assuming probably countrywide at this point is probably we're in a national state of uh, emergency. And as time goes on, when you hear different reports happening, like on the radio and stuff like yeah. that, as they're moving along through a lot of the stuff in the movie, you hear that a lot of cities have gone dark and they've stopped hearing from them. Too. Yes, that does. That's in some of the clips, but yeah, that's something that you hear in the background in this too, that like, you know, they're trying to see if they've heard from any sister stations in other cities and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yep. This scene is awesome to listen to with headphones. It is. Because you catch so much background. It is insanity to listen. listen with headphones. I've never listened to it with headphones before. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons I watched this movie six times over the weekend. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a brand new movie. That fucking scene, if it doesn't get you fucking your head on a swivel, you're fucking dead inside. It should figure something out because that is fucking high stakes. The last thing that 
I want to state is it's well known that George Romero as an editor makes his audio tracks extremely heavy. And even the mono versions of these, the original mono cuts these for the audio that he has done uh-huh. are that layered and that heavy. Yeah. I actually prefer watching this movie when I can with headphones on or any of Romero's movies I, for that reason. I understand that now. Well, you just feel this panic in this studio. I mean, already the, we're near, we're not even five minutes into this movie yet and you feel like you've been through an hour long movie with the amount of like emotion, not like bad way, but you feel like with the amount of emotion that's being put out there. I feel like I'm watching a sequel to a movie, but not the sequel to Night of the Living Dead because it's like a, it feels like a completely yeah, different world. You're waiting like, where's the first part of this? What What's causing all this? Night of the Living Dead brings you in with the gentle car and yeah. it just lulls you into a false sense of security. Dawn punches you right in the fucking face. Welcome to the fucking show. <laughs> not only that, it punches you in the face and scream, pop goes the weasel. Yeah, exactly. And if that's what that does, wait till we talk about day and how they fucking get you set up in day. Because <laughs> fucking shit. If Dawn punches you in the face and says, pop goes the weasel, day of the dead says, I'm going to Rochambeau you that kicks you square in the fucking nutsack. It doesn't even give you a warning. It <laughs> kicks you in the balls, but then does not remove its foot. No, then it laughs at you while you're down there crying. And it might try to bone your mom. We're not even sure about that yet. <laughs> we'll find out next week. <laughs> Anyway, Steven finds his way into the studio, and he goes up to Fran, and that is our very first clip. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah, now. I don't believe We're it. We're going to get out in the chopper. Steven, we can't. We've got... It's 9 p.m. all right. Steven, we can't. We've got to stay. We've got to, my Fran. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. Now, you be upstairs at 9 o'clock, and don't let me come looking for you. Go ahead. We'll be off the air by midnight anyway. The emergency networks are taking over. Our responsibility is finished. One of my favorite things here in a little side note that I really wish would have still been included in any one of the cuts was I got to see uh, a long, long time ago, uh, Circling Online was the original script for Dawn of the Dead. And I was reading it. it that guy's line where he said, you know, our responsibility is finished. I wish they would add it in because it's something that sounds so good is when he goes in the script, he, he adds in a, I'm afraid. And that's all he says. Like, I'm just afraid. I think they would have kept that in. For some reason, I think that would have punched up that scene even more so. Like, he's just fucking and everyone is, you know? Yeah, there's ways that they could have done it. I like the way that they do it where the guy just says it with his face. Yeah. Where he just looks down at the ground and he's like, we're done. Yeah, we're done. I want to point something out. Galen Ross, the actress who is actually playing Fran in this, whenever her first scene was shot, it was this argument and this discussion that she's having with David Emge, whose character is named Steven. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I'm going to play for you the very first dialogue that she delivers in the film. She says David. I just isolated it. I just heard it. David, we... She says David. Yep, right there, folks. Let me just (laughs) zoom in on it a little bit more. I thought I just heard it. Yeah. yeah. And what's really funny is uh, on the commentary, she mentions it. And I thought that all along. Yeah. And the way that she does it, she goes, David. It's David. Because she just couldn't think of it. And she yeah. was like so in the moment. And you could tell she's in the moment. And she's trying to deliver her dialogue and sound really panic and flustered and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she totally blows that line. It's like her first take and her first line delivery. And she <laughs> blows it. Oh. But that's the one that George uses. Yeah. I don't know how many multiple takes he may have done of that. But that's the one that George uses. And why? Because of how flustered she is and how 
well that emotional section goes. And how it looks. Yeah. She looks panicked. She looks like we can't leave. There's plenty of times where I'm like, she's saying David again and not Steven elsewhere in the movie when I thought that, that she kept giving him the actor's name yeah. instead of the character name. Mm-hmm. But I went back and double checked and kind of with the headphones on before and yeah. no, that's no, not the case. No. Yeah. So you noticed it this time around. I noticed it? it this time around. I noticed it yeah. like my third watching. I went, wait, did she just say fucking David there? I've actually argued with people about this before and you may have been one of the people that I argued with about it before that she blows that line too. No, I would never argued with you on this because until now, I never would have been confident enough to say yes or no. <laughs> okay. Like for that little piece. Yeah. Like now I am. But yeah. back then, nah. <laughs> What's really funny about it though is I was vindicated because I got the DVDs. My wife actually bought me the multi-disc set that Anchor Bay did of all the different cuts and everything. Yeah. And uh, I was playing that and I was playing the commentary and Galen Ross was talking with George Romero and I actually have where she says that and he goes, that ah, doesn't matter. Like he, he didn't even, all those years later, he didn't even notice that he missed it too. Yeah. He's like, doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's totally fine. I don't yeah. care that she blew the line. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, now we cut to a SWAT team uh, with uh, another one of our main characters, Roger, surrounding a building in the projects. They try to talk to the leader Martinez out. They keep telling him, you know, you're not facing any charges. These people are your responsibility. So what we already know now is there's a man from probably in the inner city who has a good building all boarded up, locked up so no one can get into it. And he's trying to keep his people safe in there. Yes. All yes. of his people. All of his people. Everyone. Spoiler alert, both living and dead. Yes. <laughs> anyway. I, one of the things I want to point out, um, Scott, the character of Scotty, I yes. love how he's delivering the lines that the guy is about to say on the bullhorn. Yes. Right before the guy says it, which makes mm-hmm. you know that they are really bullshitting because then he well, says, there are no charges the, against you. And then Scotty immediately goes, not, for now. Yeah, for now. Uh, yeah, for now. <laughs> anyway, uh, as they're trying to talk him out, Martinez and his team come out shooting. Uh, well, okay, before I suppose we should go into that, there's another officer there. Uh, yeah. Wooly. Officer Wooly. <laughs> officer racist Trump supporter. Yes, who marvels at, you know, we put all these people up in this building. Shit, this is better than I got. And and when he says these people, yeah, when he Matt says say, it. He's, he, he's not saying these people. Yeah. He's, he's using many derogatory different terms for different races. All at once. All at once. Like and then, a lot of them. And then espousing how he wants to kill them all. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's very impressive racism and it's bad. <laughs> I will say this. The MAGA wearing hat character in this movie is definitely Wooly. Yes, it's Wooly. Darren called us out on it and got it right for Night of the Living Dead. It was Cooper. Oh yeah, it was definitely Cooper. Especially the thing yeah. he said about we luck into a safe place and we're supposed to just go help someone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he that's, had it right there. That's a Trump That's a Trump thing to say. Yeah. So Wooly is definitely the one in this movie that I can think of right off the bat. And uh, Darren, if you find a better candidate, you know, challenge accepted, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, he won't. He, he beat us on the last one, but he's not beating us on this one. Not at all. Uh, a young officer, the young officer who is right next to Roger, who was kind of repeating everything being said, he looks very nervous and, well, he just gets shot in the head. So never mind, pal, your, your duty's done. But he lands on top of Roger, kind of pinning Roger to the ground. I'm calling Roger Scotty in tribute to Galen Ross. Okay. Because <laughs> his real name is Scott. Yeah. Uh, the rest are all being shot. There's a gunfight. Uh, Roger actually corners Martinez, and Martinez uh, runs the other way. Roger tries to stop him from running, telling him not to go out there, and he shouldn't have. That causes Martinez his life. He is shot and falls off the building. Uh, so now the troops bust in. Oh, and- can we talk about who Martinez is played by? Did you recognize him? I did not recognize him. Oh, really? No, I didn't. It's uh, John Amplis, Martin himself. Martin. George Romero's Martin. Oh, are you shitting me? That's Martin? That was Martin. Holy 
fuck? In heavy Chicano face? Yeah, I mean... Brown face, I guess, is what they yeah, call it. Yeah, I knew that was a white guy who was yeah. heavily makeuped, but yeah. wow, I didn't realize that, that was, was Martin. That was Martin himself, who later will come up in Dawn of the Dead as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, he's no. one of the scientists in Dawn of the Dead as That's well. Right. Day of the Dead as Day well. Day of the Dead, yeah. And he actually worked behind the scenes a lot with George Romero as well. He ended up doing, um, not like director of photography, but like continuity and yes, stuff like that, He's that, that too. scientist who works with Sarah. Yeah. In Day of the Dead. Yeah. Holy fuck, I forgot that's fucking Martin. Yeah, it's okay, the same guy. now we're starting to do the Day of the Dead. John Amplis, yeah. 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 Commentary. <laughs> well, we did that with Night where we were rushing to yeah, get movies, rushing so. to get in a day. Uh, the troops all bust in. One of my favorite scenes is because they shoot the gas in there. They go, gas, gas. Mass for gas. Mass for gas. And I'm like, oh, that's a catchy little tune. <laughs> I'm thinking that's like a procedural thing that they yeah, have to probably. do. To make Mass sure that, for gas. And Mass then they have to gas. repeat back that they know that that's happening and make yep. sure everybody hears it. Uh, and how about those badass fucking gas masks from that era? Man? Yes. Those 70s fucking, gas masks are creepy looking. Fucking, you can't see shit, man. That's some scary ass shit. <laughs> you can't see into the eyes or nothing. Anyway, uh, Wooly has officially lost it, but not that he probably ever had it. And he just starts kicking indoors. And here's where we get one of our first great makeup or, well, FX jobs in this movie. And that is he busts open a door. There's a man standing there. First, before we go into the effect, is the man a zombie or is he alive and just Wooly catches him? I'm thinking Wooly's just killing anyone. I think that person was alive because there was yeah. another person alive just standing in the room with him. So, yeah. you know, the, yeah. And while he shoots in the guy's head, it completely explodes. We need to talk about that effect specifically. I Well, I figured because, yeah, I mean, I know every effect in here that we're going to have to talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, did I'm going to leave this to you. Did you know that that's actually Galen Ross's head sculpt? No, I didn't. There's a thing that was supposed to happen for the end of the movie that was extremely more nihilistic. Oh. And her death was one of the things. Yes. And there was a head sculpt that they were going to do for her head. Yeah. To uh, how she's going to end up dying because mm-hmm. she obviously is going to die. But they didn't end up using it because George ended up rewriting the script and changed it. So they reused it here. And basically, Tom Savini did the head exploding thing where he filled it with whatever they had and fake yep. blood and all that stuff. Yeah. So that when he shot it with an actual shotgun, that's how he did the effect. Yeah. It would blow out everywhere and, and do that. That was really cool. Yeah. And that's what they ended up doing. It could have been they just and did you, a edit to make it look like Wooly shot at yeah. anything. Yeah. But they ended up using that head that was going to be Galen Ross's so they didn't have it go to waste. Now, is, like, is that the first effect of his kind at this time? Moment what, of time exploding in head? Yeah, like that. I honestly don't know. Like, is any of this groundbreaking stuff? I know for sure that in 1979, these types of effects really outraged people. This film could not be released rated. Wow. It had to be released essentially no one under 17, which meant X. That's insane. Time. Yeah. that And still to this day, like if they tried to get it rated, it would yeah. be... Uh, they you think be to this to, day even would be yeah, a little too to much? this day, yes. Wow. Yeah, I don't, because the MPAA is really fucking crazy yeah. about this kind of shit. That's but true. But you got to remember, in our headspace, this is something that you and I have been watching since we were kids, pretty much. Yeah. And it was never really all that big a deal. You're like, your yeah. head exploded. That's yeah. fucking awesome. I can't say for sure that this is the first movie to have a shotgun blast head explosion. Yeah. But the way that they edited it, the way that it was shot, and the way that it happened so quickly, they did it so well that it is, especially in the theatrical cut, because they tightened that cut up. Yeah. It looks like a head explosion, and it's really disgusting. This is this is Savini's, like, his first work, really, like, in film. This is, like, his absolute first work. And it's really funny. My wife, for some reason, thought we were watching the new Dawn of the Dead. I'm like, have you ever seen Dawn of the Dead? She goes, I've watched it all the time with you. And I go, when? And she goes, all the time. And I go, wait, are you thinking we're watching, like, the one with Ving Rhames? She goes, yeah. And I go, oh, honey, no, no, we're not. And I go, we're, we're watching the real Dawn of the Dead. And she 
goes, oh, you mean the one that was, I go, the one like from the 70s. And she goes, oh, I think I watched that like once when I was a kid. So we get to this scene and the head explodes. She was like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, when Roger tries to stop Wooly, he gets his ass kind of handed to him before Wooly is then shot dead by a very large trooper. In the apartment room that Wooly had just broken into, there's a ghoul missing its foot uh, as Roger's kind of getting himself together because his mask came off so that like is he's wiping his eyes and shit like that fastest dissipating tear gas ever right he's kind of in the hallway watching this two troopers are in the room and as the ghoul starts crawling toward him it was one for some reason it's one of uh a scene i kind of like in this movie is the one trooper looking at me go shoot it man shoot it shoot it in the head (laughs) like what the fuck are you waiting for? Shoot it. It's crawling for fuck's sakes. He's half frustrated at the guy. Yeah. Half like pissed off. And half like in wonderment. Like, why aren't you doing, why aren't you shooting him? And yeah. the kid. And there's like, there's like a little portion of like him, like kind of like looking and like he's, yeah. he's terrified, but he's also disgusted and he's angry at the kid for just letting this happen. Well, in the, in the, in the, the trooper who's, who it's being crawled at is a younger kid. And it's almost like he can't decide which gun he wants to shoot him with. He has his own handgun and he puts that away and he picks up Wooly's shotgun and handgun, puts that handgun down, he takes Wooly's shotgun, in which he has a fine automatic weapon right over his shoulder, and Wooly, that he has not fired, while Wooly has been using the shotgun up this whole time, and so he decides to try to use the shotgun, of course nothing happens, because it's empty. Yeah, um, because Wooly used it to execute everyone that wasn't white. Exactly. Uh, as the other trooper then tries to help the kid, realizing that, you know, his shotgun's empty, another ghoul comes out, a woman, and attacks the guy, and that makes Roger tried to go in and help the guy. Throughout all of this, if you have a quick enough eye, you'll see another zombie leaves the room completely. Just walks, just kind of just saunters right up by all the action. Just like, all right, I'm out of here. What you don't know is that guy secretly worked at the TV station. Yeah. And that fuck it, I'm out of here attitude just permeated with him into zombie <laughs> world. He's like, fuck this, I'm out. He really does. If you watch the way he walks out, he kind of sneaks out while everyone's struggling with two other zombies. It's kind of like, well, it's time for me to be hit the old dusty trail, I guess. I'm gonna talk to you guys later he just grabs his coat and just slinks off <laughs> fuck this i'm going to the bar there's way too many guns in this room i'm out of here uh anyway uh they struggle and the roger and the other officer are able to throw down the woman and shoot her and the kid is able while he's kind of tackled to the ground he's able to get up back against a wall he pulls out his own revolver and empties all but one shot into the zombie in the head then we cut to the escape zombie finds his wife. Uh, his wife or his wife finds him. Uh, she gets away from troopers and goes to hug him. Uh, as she hug him, he goes ahead and takes a nice little chunk right out of her shoulder, which that was a cool effect and made uh, my wife just like get queasy, she said. She was like, oh, gross. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I can't get grossed out by this because it's so, like, all the zombies are pastel and all the blood is so, like, red. red. Yeah, so, yeah, she yeah. even made that. She's like, oh, look at all the red paint. Well, and the reason that it it turned out that way it's something that savini actually talks about on the commentary as well mm-hmm. they bought theatrical stage blood yeah which is meant to look good from afar for stage blood the problem is that in color timing for film and the way that film catches things it ends up looking like that temper paint yeah because of the way that it's made for well the that 3M is stage that is such a 70s look for blood too and they are not the there's only a, ones who made that mistake there's Almost, a reason for that because uh, all of the movies in the 70s just usually use theatrical blood yeah the ones that didn't use theatrical blood like Herschel Gordon Lewis when he did Blood Feast uh-huh. his blood looks so ridiculously real that people were getting sick because he took the time to test it on film and make sure that it looked right for the film he was 
going to use. I've never seen that. It's not a good film, <laughs> but it's a shitload of fun. Oh, okay. The original Blood Feast, yeah. Nice. But yeah, uh, but uh, that's always like, um, this movie almost is like uh, an epitome of 70s movies for me, of how it looks. You know, like the yeah, colors. You'll see the, you'll see the same the, color scheme, the, the color same blood in like a Dirty Harry flick. Uh, it almost looks like a lot of things seem pastel a little bit, like color-wise. The 70s people, was extremely, extremely pastel. pastel yeah. yeah. And then, yes, that blood, that theatrical blood, that is just like a mark yeah. of all 70s films. I think it has a lot to do with the color processing for the film of the time, the actual way that the film stock could be processed, the temperature of the actual film lights that they could get, particularly in the lower budget type films. Yeah. They didn't have the right kind of balancing, so your daylight scenes versus the scenes like here that are being shot with actual like lights, like, yeah. whatever type of bulb they use, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It really changes the aesthetic of the film, because some of the blood when they're out in the daylight, whenever they're attacking the zombies out there, looks pretty good. Yeah. But the, for whatever reason, the color temperature of the bulbs when they're shooting indoors makes it look kind of pastel. Yeah. Well, and then I, I just laughed. They all have the same look because after all the Donna did everything last uh, last night, uh, somebody was running uh, Willy Wonka and the Charlie Factory marathons. And I started watching that because that also came out in like the 70s. It's like the same look, same kind of like colors, same everything. You're just, it's kind of like, wow, man, that's fucking weird. You can't get two options, opposite spectrum movies. But yet, there we go. You realize you said Charlie Factory, right? Char- oh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Sorry. I want to see a Charlie Factory. Charlie Factory. <laughs> just puts out a bunch of Charlies. <laughs> We're going to be here all night. Where's, where's Grandpa Joe? Where's Grandpa Joe? Just in unison in stereo. Grandpa Joe lays in bed his entire life. He's does a piece nothing, of shit. Even though the family's starving. The minute he gets an invite to a candy shop... <laughs> Motherfucker gets out of bed and dances. What a dick face. I fucking hate Grandpa Joe so bad. <laughs> Whatever. You just are jealous. You wish you could be Grandpa Joe. Fuck yeah, I do. So do you, asshole. Don't act like you're above me. <laughs> Actually, in this, I am. <laughs> so anyway, they're able to get the woman away uh, from the zombie after he takes a few chunks out. And the troopers uh, shoot him dead. And then we cut back into the other apartment. And the young trooper kid who shot the zombie with no foot decides that he's done with this world and he ends it so See, i always thought the kid got bitten and that's oh, why yeah, he did no it. he didn't but no like i was a kid i always thought that but i realized yeah. that okay my wife and i have a very serious history with dawn of the dead yeah it has a special place in my heart because the first birthday gift she ever gave me was the extended director's cut on vhs of dawn mm-hmm. so we have a, a thing going in the first time that i noticed that the kid actually killed himself he wasn't bitten first yeah was on that tape when her and i watched it together oh really yeah nice so i have like the memories i have of noticing certain things tied to this film also have special occasions to nice um roger goes uh down to get himself together and he is interrupted by the tall trooper who shot woolly in our next clip man there's a lot of people who are running out i could run i could run right tonight friend of mine's got this helicopter he asked me to come with him i think it's right to run Senors, please to let me pass Let's get into the mess. No, no, please. Just let me pass. I go up to seventh floor to find my sister. Just let me pass. The people of 107 will do what you wish now. <coughs> Annie have died last week on these trees. In the basement of this building, we find them. I have given them the last rites. Now, you do what you will. You are stronger than us. Well, soon, I think, they be stronger than you. I think that, well, senores, we must stop the killing. 
That old preacher legit only had one leg. That was fucking hardcore. You made an observation about this movie. I want to say like one of the first drunken conversations that we had about these where it just struck me. I was like, holy shit, this guy actually can be smart if he would just settle down on the drinking a little bit. No, it's not going to happen. But go on. (laughs) No, and I'm dead serious. Like this was actually a really brilliant observation. You had stated to me that in this movie, Romero puts two factions that are always butting head and shows that in a world like this with the chaos, religion's on its last leg and later on we will see that science is half blunt yes you said that to me and i mm-hmm. was like holy shit hey, yeah yeah and i was like somebody else had to tell this guy that where did that come from and i saw you in a completely different night to be quite honest it was one time when i was watching this movie it was before i met you and uh there had been maybe uh quite a few marijuanas ingested <laughs> Wisdom of the marijuanas. And someone suggested, let's spend a Saturday watching movies, injecting marijuanas, and not do anything else. And I said, okay, I'm in. And I got really, really heavily stoned. And then we're watching Dawn of the Dead. And I'm, I, I just said that, like, when you see the guy with the eye patch. One of my friends looked at me and goes, dude, that's really fucking deep. The first deep thing you've ever said to me with any meaning, and it's to a fucking zombie movie, you motherfucker. And the funny thing is, it actually had me respecting you that yeah. you said it, you repeated it oh. later. Yeah, this guy, he was like, you'd never get like deep or talk about feelings or anything. And then the first deep thing I said was about Dawn of the Dead. (laughs) They were all pissed. That's one of the things that will make me respect you more. (laughs) The first deep thing you said is analyzing a horror That's why I'm not friends with those guys in college anymore. They want to talk about feelings and shit. I'm just not down for that kind of relationship. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the notes. Right. Uh, Okay, the troopers open a barricade. Uh, Well, this number one, what a dumb fucking move. You're in a tight fucking space. And there's this big wooden barricade you know the dead are around everywhere why would you open that right there like that for the same reason that someone would go up to a door that says don't open dead inside that's chained shut and check it out yeah yeah stupid even though he's a trained quote-unquote police officer which i'm pretty sure that he did that and that that door exists but at least when he woke up at least when he woke up he wasn't like he didn't know the zombie apocalypse had been happening these guys all know what's out there they'll fucking know and then they break down the boards and of course when they break down the barricades a swarm of the dead come out and none of them can get their guns set because they're in a tight spot so i i don't know i think i saw like three or four just get like swarmed over by the dead while the others scurried back up the stairs in single file so if you're the last one in that single file sorry about your fucking luck so anyway roger and peter find a room with all the dead that the priest had been talking about uh peter takes this one pretty hard and takes out his revolver and he begins putting them down he's kind of having a real moment here while doing that um the gun runs out of bullets and as one keeps crawling towards him as he's trying to reload it uh roger steps in and shoots him seems like kind of like the room's almost all taken care of except for maybe a couple um and like a military guy bursts through because it seems to be three branches in this building or two branches it's like military and police are all invading this i would assume it's national guard yeah it's national guard and police the reason i'm saying that is because we already know from night of the living dead that the national guard has been deployed Yes. And they're usually the ones who do the military. And in fact, we heard in Dawn of the Dead before, when you hear the two guys talking, they have special units of the National Guard going around to collect dead bodies from people to dispose of them properly. Um, Anyway, so uh, Roger wonders why they've kept them down here. Why are they doing this? And Peter gives a great line where he says, because 
these people still think there's some respect in dying. And then after he reloads, he takes a final shot. The thing that I wanted to point out too is you actually really see how regardless of how quote unquote strong or the willpower or the drive to survive that any of these specific characters have or just any of the characters in Romero's films, they really show how the weight of the situation and the hopelessness weighs in on everybody constantly. And you see at that moment, Ken Forhey's character of Peter is crushed under the weight of the task he has in front of him. Yeah. We have no idea how many other zombies he's had to execute, how many people he's had to shoot to survive when this shit hit the fan here. Mm-hmm. But the point is, in this moment, the fact that all of these people were trying to store their dead here just yeah. so they could be with them and not lose them to this military complex trying to deal with the zombies mm-hmm. overwhelms him when he has to execute all of the zombies. Oh, yeah. And you can see the psychological damage that's being done to him. And that's why when the gun, like, he runs out of bullets and he's trying to reload, he looks lost, almost you reloading. You see it in his eyes like he's yeah. ready to be done now. Yeah. Like, he's almost ready to give up. Whereas, Roger's just, like, gung-ho, like, we're gonna deal with this, we're gonna deal with this. And he's putting his insanity towards, man, I'm invincible. Like, he's yeah. starting to get that complex. And you see it where he steps in front of Peter. Yeah. Without even thinking about it and pulls the trigger. Yeah. I mean, they're setting it up here already, what's gonna happen with what's, this character. Arc. Everyone's complexes are gonna start coming up. Just in this scene alone, and it's really beautifully done. Yeah. Now we cut to Steven. He's at a police dock operator's station. Uh, the operator, I, I would assume, shot himself in the head, it appears. It looks like a streak went right through his forehead, so. There's more involved with police guys that are cutting out and going to the island in the extended sequence. Yeah, you don't get it in this one, and one yeah. of those guys is our own, uh... Joe Pilato, yeah. Yep, yeah, Rhodes. Yeah. Rhodes! But we do hear from one of those guys, and I'm gonna get him soon. Okay, but the thing I wanted to point out is in that sequence, right before he says the post-abandoned... Yeah, he operator thinks, dead. Yeah, he thinks those guys killed the, the operator. Yeah. And those guys think that he killed the operator. Yeah. Because they both came upon the body. And I'm, and that's where we're like, okay, he committed suicide. But when you come there, like, there's already people know? unloading the docks. You have no idea. Also, his head is split, so that means he put the gun on his forehead and shot it that way or if he did it. Or someone shot him. Or somebody forehead. shot him. Yeah. So it's I somebody also might have just shot him in the back of the head, and that's what caused that. And it could have very well been any of those police guys, yeah. and they're just going to load up and not worry about anybody else. Uh, at this point, Roger and Peter do show up, and they all start boarding the chopper. One of the guys from the other group asks if anybody has any cigarettes. They said, no, they don't got them, and they asked where they're heading, and the guy said, well, we're thinking about just going to an island, and this is how kind of thoughtless people are just trying to get out of town, because they're like, what island? <laughs> it's like, any island. So, I mean, are they actually going to find anything? Well, there are islands off the coast of Delaware. Yeah. And one of those islands is Plum Island, where survival of the dead takes place. Nice. Yeah. So, oh, there you go. Maybe they end up on Plum Island. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, they ask him where they're heading, and he goes straight up. Then, as they get in there, it's Stephen and Roger in the front with Fran and Peter in the back. And Peter points to Stephen and goes, Is that your man? And she goes, Most of the time. Yeah. And he goes, I just like to know everyone who it, who everyone is. That's all. And in the. Let's, d- let's face it, he was backing on her, and he's yeah. just like, You got a dude? Yeah, yeah. It's cool, lady. It's cool. Yeah, right. It's cool. All right. All right. <laughs> I think you're pregnant anyway, so I got it. I, 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 know. <laughs> I can take care of that if you want. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This guy, let's, let's just say, Peter, this movie's like a Swiss Army knife. He can do everything. <laughs> he's got just kind multiple of. tools. Yeah, Ken Four, he's awesome and everything. Yeah. Uh, but in the uh, one of those director's cuts versions, I like uh, they're flying and they even ask, what's everyone leaving behind? 
Brandon. You know, uh, Roger, I believe, is leaving an ex-wife behind. Fran was leaving an ex-husband behind. Uh, Peter's. It's, it's heavily implied they were having an affair and caused each other's divorce, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Stephen and, yeah. I think Roger was leaving a wife behind, wasn't he? Um, or maybe. an ex-wife. Yeah, maybe. I think everyone there was kind of all came from broken relationships, yeah. it seems. And, which would make sense of why they can all get out without families involved and all that shit. Yeah, and Ken Forhey is practically like, a walking bug out bag. Yeah, and Ken, and yeah, and Peter says in the director's cut, I love Peter goes, I'm leaving behind some brothers. And Fred goes, real brothers or street brothers? And you're like, God damn it, Fred, can you be any more racist right now? Can we just not during the apocalypse, Fred? Just not. Fred's not a MAGA hat wearer, <laughs> but, but she's real close. She's, she's like the secret sneaky Trump voter. She just doesn't know any better. That's the problem. She just, she just thinks if she watches Fox News, she'll have all the actual she's news. She's a Fox News viewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's just like... If, oh, one of the things we stepped over to, the guy begging for cigarettes immediately as the helicopter's taking yeah. off, like two of them light up yeah, cigarettes Roger on the Roger and up. Fran both light up cigarettes, yeah. which actually, just to let you know, is one of the few scenes that makes me want a cigarette real fucking bad in, the, in my life, no matter what. When Roger lights up, he makes it look really fucking cool. And, and, and I even told my wife this. I go, fuck, it's the... Z-. She goes, what is it about this? Like, anytime Roger lights up, yeah. I go, it's, the, it's all of it, honey. It's the fucking... First of all, it's the Zippo. And anytime someone uses a Zippo to light up a cigarette, fuck, it makes me want a cigarette like 10 times more. <laughs> and then it's the way he smokes it. It's the way he inhales it. And it may be this. The way Roger smokes a cigarette is the exact way I used to smoke a cigarette. So it reminds me, like, all his mannerisms were shit I did when I smoked. And I'm like, fuck, I really want to go. <laughs> That's the funny thing about you is all of your charm and all of your cool stuff had to do with your mannerisms while you smoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once you quit smoking, you had to find a new way to I, be charisma. Uh, yeah, and I have not found that yet. I'm still Maybe. looking. Yeah, we just take that out of the equation and put you on mic and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, in the director's cut, Peter had a brother who played some NFL ball for the uh, Eagles, I think, right? I can't remember that off yeah, the top he of my said, head. He said he had two brothers, I think. Two real brothers, he said. And he goes, one is in jail and one is one plays pro ball. Uh, he goes, but we get together when we can. Yeah. So it, it sounds like Peter came from his own broke. Everyone came from something broken. So, which is George Romero's a, a common thing with George Romero. It's one of his favorite things to put a lot of broken people together. Yeah, like a ragtag you find your own and make your own family kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. He loves yeah. that. Yeah, well, and every because everyone in kind of night was all a little bit broken, you know. So Yeah, but they didn't work together and they didn't make, they were a dysfunctional family. Yeah, but I mean, that's, he. it's not even him making a new family. It's him throwing people who are broken together and saying, fucking figure it out. And maybe some of you will and maybe some of you won't. That's what's going to make a movie. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, anyway, they, we cut to the next day and uh, Flyboy is starting to kind of get a little sleepy there. Uh, Peter kind of nudges him, says, do you know where you are? And He flat out fell asleep. Yeah, he flat out falls asleep. Oh, I got that. You know where we are? Yeah, I know exactly where we are. Harrisburg? Passed about an hour ago. Jesus, it's everywhere. We're still pretty close to Johnstown. Those rednecks are probably enjoying the whole thing. The hometown I grew up at? Yeah. Flying-wise, if you're pretty close to Johnstown, yeah. he's literally flying over the place that I grew up at, is what I'm considering it. Nice. Like, because the area that he's flying over that would be near Johnstown, that would be also in the mountains, Yeah. that's pretty much where I grew up. Oh, that's awesome. Would be that area. So when he says those rednecks are probably enjoying it, yeah. and then they show an entire sequence of how the rednecks are doing just fine, Yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much how it would be. Well, yeah, and I was going to get to that. So, yeah, so now we 
we have all these scenes where cops, rednecks, and the National Guard are all kind of teaming up together, trying to clear out. And he even starts playing like cheery. It starts switching over to like this cheery kind of folk, maybe not folk, but country music. You know, uh, it's almost like, like a trucking music. Yeah, it's it's like folk rock kind of stuff. It sounds yeah. a lot like what like you know what you would like see semis like crossing the country to this music. It's knockoff Dylan, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, the thing that's great about that sequence, though, is they actually establish how these people working together these like redneck folks yeah like these good old country boys that are used to hunting and just dealing with the problem yeah that's what they're doing they're having a party they're yeah, drinking they're like, iron beer yep. and a couple of them are smoking a joint here and there and it's great where you see like they'll be sitting there drinking them like hey you guys get down or, or two guys two guys are standing there and they look and they see a couple of zeds are walking through the forest they put down their beers and shoot them and then uh some army guys see some other army guys are in trouble tell them to get down they shoot the you know whatever's coming at them and then at one point there's some guys just sitting underneath the tree and there's a few around a car and they shoot the gas can on the car uh blowing the shit out of that and the happy music stops and it goes back to fucking suspense horror music <laughs> like fuck there's yeah, a fire because the reality sets in yeah the idea fire of what's exploding happening. yeah it's reality setting in yeah yep uh then we get a nice little scene that gets replicated i think in a lot of movies and that's say it. stolen it's fine stolen yeah and that's uh the three zombies walking on the hill and the two guys who are just shooting them and they fall so that's stolen that's such a famous little bit even, of film even with the dialogue where he's like ah, i missed him yeah yeah i ah, got him got him i missed him i got him Took yeah. him on the chest yeah. a lot of people steal that yeah now they uh land on an airfield and roger is going to fill up while steven and fran go check out the garages to see if they can find anything peter checks in one of the main offices and gets a cup of coffee although he starts hearing some hustle and bustle behind the door as steven and fran leave they are stopped by a ghoul. Steven is able to use a hammer he had found to, well, pretty much hammer him uh, right in the head. That made a cool little dent in his head. That was kind of cool to look at. Yeah, that's yeah, a that, cool effect. That was a cool effect. And uh, they get up, and there's another ghoul standing there, and pretty much Steven just pushes him down, and they all, uh, you know, they both run away. There's another uh, zombie creeping up on Roger while he's filling up the tank. Uh, they get uh, Fran and uh, Steven get Roger's attention. He turns around, just decided to see the dead stand up on a little bit of a box trying to get over it to get to him only the propeller blades just scalp that motherfucker and that's a cool fucking effect so the propeller blades are animated in later yes in that sequence yeah and they just took clear fishing line Mm -hmm. they attached long fishing line and then the head was meant to tear off like that yeah when he originally built it it was rounded but they were sitting around and waiting and they couldn't get the lighting right or something like that and then the effect went and squared off on him somehow so that's why it looks like a frankenstein's monster head Uh and it kind of calls to what's about to happen yeah but if you see behind the scenes photography when they first did it it was nice and rounded and it would have been awesome if it would have been able to pull off at that rounded oh man thing. yeah but so they just it's still a pretty cool effect so they just had a bunch of fishing line and they just basically ran in the opposite direction as fast as they could with it yeah to get like good like a good speed going mm-hmm. and then it yanked it off like that yeah and it looks amazing and the blood that pumps out right yeah. after that oh it just so pours well-timed. it down oh yeah. my god it's fucking awesome and then the actor sells it well too the yeah. way he drops down just uh, well, yeah. okay there you go and with no emotion in his face that's awesome and this is those two things the the shotgun blast to the face yes then this thing with the chop off to the head yeah that alone is going to make it to where you couldn't even get an r rating no 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 that's true um let's see uh then peter is attacked by two zombie kids uh as they try to gnaw at his arms thank god he's wearing some protective covering he's able to throw them onto a couch and he blows them away that scene always freaks bev out yeah the two zombie kids well she's terrified of like dolls or like little little like monster creatures running around yeah and 
so when they came charging out, he went, yeah! <laughs> we cut to Steven is trying to shoot the zombie that he had knocked down. He keeps missing or hitting him in the chest. Then Roger steps up in front of it, unloads one bullet, and downs it. The first time he does it, he actually pushes the gun away gently. Yeah, no, yeah, you, we'll come to the second time. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. just... Yeah. He gently just moves him out of the like, way. He's like, okay, Steven, give it a rest. You're yeah. wasting bullets. It's yeah, basically, it was basically what he's trying to tell him now. Yeah. And the second time, when we get there, we'll talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah. So. Anyway, as Peter's leaving, we have another very famous zombie show up, and that is the shotgun zombie. This is a zombie that has been... Is he in your arm? Yeah. Yep, shotgun zombie's on his arm. I it, wouldn't call him shotgun zombie, but he's uh, got a torn up face. Torn up face. I, I know. A he's lot the of cover. people called him that. He's the cover of Dawn of the Dead. He's yeah. That, that makeup yes. is what they use for the cover. Exactly. The cover, he's probably... The rising sun zombie head is him. Yes, exactly. Um, Peter looks like he's going to get ready to gun, but then he looks behind the zombie and sees that Steven has the gun pointed at him, at the zombie and at Peter. So Peter has to dive out of the way while the, Steven shoots, really causing no damage, just hitting the zombie in the chest or in the back. And that also then Roger, again, this time a little more forcefully, forces the barrel up on Steven's gun. He clinks the bottom of yeah. Steven's barrel with his barrel to knock it out of the way. Basically, like, let the big boys handle this. And also, probably, like, holy shit, you almost shot fucking Peter, yeah. you motherfucker. He needs to be more I'm forceful. not going to be the only motherfucker in this group who knows how to shoot things, all right? I'm going to need at least one other person. Yeah, he really, really tried to push it the point forward, like, yeah. hey, fuck off with this. This shot takes down the zombie, and Steven goes by to console Fran, who's kind of freaked out. Peter pushes him to the ground, points a gun at him, says, next time, never, or said something about never pointing a gun at another person there, mister. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Well, yeah, you would be pissed off too. The yeah. motherfucker almost killed you because he doesn't know what he's doing and he's that's just like shooting gun, recklessly. That's gun 101, man. It's like, you don't point at anybody unless you're going to kill that person. You never aim the barrel of a gun, unloaded yeah. or not, at anything you don't intend to shoot. Exactly. Alright, we are back in the copter, lifting off and that is our next clip. Gotta find fuel. Maybe closer to Cleveland. No, we gotta stay out of the big cities. If there's anything like Philly, we may never get out alive. We may never get out of any place alive. We almost didn't get out of here. We're getting out of here fine, people. Just as long as there are not too many of those things around, we can handle them easy. It wasn't one of those things that nearly blew me away. We've got to stay in the sticks. I mean, there's bound to be more little private airports upstate. There's the locks along the Allegheny. Fuel stations there. State private. No, those are probably still manned. We don't need those hassles either. We're just out after scavengers and looters. Oh, you got papers for this limousine? I got G-O-N-I-D, so does Fran. Right, and we're out doing traffic reports. Wake up, sucker. We're thieves and we're bad guys. That's exactly what we are. We've got to find our own way. Jesus Christ, we don't even know where we're going. We don't have food, we don't have water, we don't even have a radio. Stephen, you need to get some sleep. All right. And now we find the mall, which is exciting. It's one of the newfangled indoor malls. Yeah, it's one of the newfangled indoor malls. It has, it's huge. And this thing is huge. For the amount of shit it has in it, it's like a Mall of America type fucking mall. The Monroeville Mall was something to behold in the late 70s. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff that's in there has been replaced. And when we talk about some of those areas, I'll talk about what I remember them being the last time I was there. Okay. But, you know, some of the things like, obviously Did it legit changed. have an ice skating rink in it? Yes. Holy fuck. They turned that into a giant food court. Like, it just became a giant food court because the yeah. shape of it, it was perfect. Yeah. Because all the restaurants would just round around it. Yeah. But yeah, there was a fucking skating rink in that mall, and that's that, that's in that time. fucking insane. It actually existed in there, yeah. Does it still, does the mall itself exist to this day? Yes. Nice. And most of it is still the way that it was, and after George passed. Yeah, of course, updated fronts and stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah, and stores have come and gone, yeah. obviously. But, and after George passed, they actually erected a statue of him in the mall. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's well, amazing that yeah. they did 
that. So that I awesome. got to make another pilgrimage there at some point to see that. Yeah, definitely. And yes, I said pilgrimage, and yes, I meant it that way. <laughs> were, were the pilgrims going to get mad at you? Or, sure. I mean, are there any pilgrims around? <laughs> There's plenty of other things that they would get mad at us about yeah. before we even got to this point. They wouldn't even listen to this. This is the devil's fucking devices. Yeah, now buckle your fucking boots in your hat and move on. <laughs> uh, they land on the roof and check it out. We see a few of the dead are around, uh, you know, lazying about. Um, but they notice that none are on the second floor. And Peter makes comment that there's still power, which means it must be nuclear powered. So nuclear power for the win. Which, if you know about Pittsburgh, yeah, there's yeah. some power plants out there. Nuclear style. Nice. Yeah. Uh, then uh, they find a little storage room with civil defense supplies inside. Thank you, Cold War. Thank you so much. Uh, they're able to break. Sorry, you had me laughing. <laughs> they're able to uh, break in a window and climb down for a free lunch. They barricade the door so Steven can sleep. And then, as uh, Steven is sleeping, Roger and Peter go into plan time, stating that there's a lot of stuff they could use down there. And they say, we go down real fast, check it out, grab some things, do a hit and run. Stuff. That's the whole thing about this movie. Yeah, it's the stuff. stuff. Yeah. Uh, they leave Fram with a gun, tell, the, tell her not to worry about, you know, just let Steven sleep, and they're going to go check it out. Roger and Peter, uh, Roger and Peter, as they go down, they you get on these stairs down a hallway you find you find yourself in like the boiler room maintenance area of the mall uh they find a little room there that has keys to all the gates and then they turn on the full mall music to help them to quiet down any noise they might make so maybe one zombie on one side of the mall won't hear what they're doing on the other side of that music learn plus at the time that this movie was shot new indoor malls were kind of like this newfangled interesting thing you yeah know, it was you know not a lot of people had seen it before and it's kind of an advertisement for the mall to show how awesome it is to be in this movie, which right. is why they let them shoot there. Yeah, right. So, of course, they're going to fire everything up and show you how fucking sweet it is. Oh, of course, man. And it works for Romero's story no. that he's working here for the subtext. Yep. And now what I remember from reading different things about this, they had to do everything with the mall. They had to shoot overnight, right? At night, yeah. At once night. the mall closed. Yeah, at the, yeah, once the mall closed. Yeah. Man, they had a fucking gnarly schedule. It was, and they had to be out of there by a certain time so that they could get things prepped up. So, yeah. And that included any messes they made. They had to clean like it up. Blood spills, all that Anything. shit. Anything, yeah. yeah. Oh. The insurance concern for being inside the mall was quite severe, I would assume. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know how Romero slept, if he slept at all. He let, that kind of worry? He, he had a money man who had to worry about it. Oh, okay. The guy is the bane of my existence now because he makes it really hard to get good copies of these films. Oh. Richard P. Rubenstein. But at the time, he was definitely a godsend for, for George because he was able to get George a lot of big budgets and really helped him get stuff together for money. Why do you think he's making it so hard to get like make copies of it? Greed. Greed? What, Pure no one's greed. offering him the money to release it? He wants a ridiculous amount of money to release it in America for both Martin and Dawn of the Dead. He'll be dead long enough, you know, right? Soon Doesn't enough. matter. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the UK is releasing them. Uh, um, It's not region free, but I don't give a fuck because I have a region free player. Yeah, there you go. So Martin's getting remastered and so is Dawn of the Dead and they're recreating the box you'll, set. You'll have them then. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually was asking about it in Teapot's uh, group about, hey, my UK peeps, when is this going to yeah. be released? <laughs> and they're like, this is the company that's releasing it. Here's the website. Just follow it. And I'm like, book marked thanks done (laughs) yeah uh let's see uh then we get like a few scenes cutting there with like the dead in the mall them just kind of being like on escalators and shit and kind of just rummaging around and yeah this whole thing is specifically to get people to see how cool the mall is and they just throw zombies in there for an excuse yeah right yeah uh roger and peter try and get in they kind of they're gonna go to a big department store they have a keys for one of the big doors because then you have access to multiple levels that jc penny's up until 
whole I forget when JCPenney's finally like started failing I think yeah. I think the last time that I was in there was like seven years ago before my bachelor party mm-hmm. okay spoiler alert the thing I wanted to do on my bachelor party time we went to the Monroeville Mall I played the Dawn of the Dead soundtrack in my headphones yeah. and walked around the Monroeville Mall with my friends nice and I pointed out the stuff in the movie and told them where it was I used to do that in Pittsburgh whenever we lived there um, I would have friends watch Dawn of the Dead and then the next day go to the Monroeville Mall with them and show them everything that they just watched uh, that's awesome yeah it's one of the benefits of like living there for college it was awesome yeah uh, so anyway they get up to the big distortion store but the door won't open uh, right away so they draw a crowd uh, we get some shots in there they're shooting some zombies but they finally get in uh, it's kind of like a panic almost a sweat inducing moment there it's, the, the, they realized this, this was much riskier than they initially it, thought well and one of the good things that Romero does in this film is you never really able to relax and the minute you think you can there's just something underlining something else that's going on so you never get a full shot to relax in this play well yeah if this type of thing was existing you never really would get a chance yeah. to relax because they're always there they're never going away you just keep them barricaded out yeah exactly you put up a wall Matt you put up a wall the problem's still there it's just on the other side of the wall oh mm. would that wall make America great again <laughs> that mall might have made America the mall, great again. yeah the mall would yeah definitely now we have all these outdoor fangled malls and who needs that shit yeah that's not gonna protect you yeah that's not gonna protect you during a zombie apocalypse we've regressed as a society we really have they want us dead we put our malls back outdoors (laughs) oh what have we done fucking jesus uh let's see here okay so they're able to get into the store uh, and they get the doors closed at this point steven wakes up he realizes something's going on and he's like wow those crazy bastards and he takes the rifle he wants to go play with the big boys you can tell it's a constant steven is chasing roger and peter so he can be cool I'm thinking Steven feels like less of a man with those two around, and he's trying to get uh, his masculinity back. Oh, you're damn right he does. He's yeah. got some toxic masculinity. But that's like why it's like, it's like the little brother chasing the two older brothers. You know, he wants to be part of the group. Yeah, but that's a lot more innocent be, than this. He doesn't want to be stuck with Fran, you know? Yeah, they automatically, Franny's the drag Yeah, the entire time. She's just a total drag on everything in the situation. She's always spoiling all the fun. Yeah, all the time. Literally. But you know what, though? She's fucking right. Everything that she says Every- is right. Right. Everything she says is right. That's why no one listens. But they won't listen to her because misogyny. <laughs> hey, man, not Peter. Peter would be a misogynist, would he? I think Peter would be the least likely. The I problem thought... is that her man, Stephen, is the misogynist. Yes, in this yes. Stephen is definitely a misogynist. So uh, Peter and Roger get the doors closed and then they go out and get some supplies. They want to find a TV, radio, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they, they go uh, then because they were... Uh, uh, upstairs they go downstairs to the opposite door and they start creating noise to draw the dead away from the door upstairs where they're keeping all their stuff so and they got a little wheelbarrow with a tv and bags of stuff and all that kind of stuff yeah uh which is not a bad plan a little rope of dope well you get the noise you get them attracted to one area they're slow moving you yep. can make it back up the stairs and then you can get closer the tactical way that they're dealing with the zombies by evading and you know distracting is perfect yes and we'll see more of that usually later yes and as then we cut back to steven and he's in the boiler room again and he goes in that same office where they found the keys and he find ma- uh, maps in the malls like schematics of the mall uh and uh then we cut back roger says that uh, while well, he's keeping lookout he says it's time to move peter starts 
heading up to where Roger's at so they can make the move. Then we cut to a dead guard in the mall maintenance area with Steven. And he's kind of, they're both kind of following her around. Uh, Steven starts shooting in there because he can kind of see it and everyone can hear it. We've got some tense, like, cat and mouse scenes here in the boiler room, which you don't know who's the cat and who's the mouse, really, at this point. Well, one's hunting one- to, one's hunting one to kill it and the other one's hunting it to eat it. <laughs> well, back and forth, the way that they're actually going, at some point, Steven has the upper hand because yeah. he's got a full loader revolver. Yeah. But then he wastes all the bullets because he can't shoot, shoot for shit. Yes. And then the zombie just lumbers at him because yep. he's got a meal weight. Yes. And Steven panics. Steven so. has to run away. Steven tries to find a little area to hide, to reload. He gets pushed down by the zombie. And as the zombie comes at Steven, who's down on the ground, he uh, just starts click, 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 he goes through. You know, he only got one chamber loaded, but he's able to blow the security guard's brains out. So he lives. So he's lucky. I think that was a sobering wake-up call. Yes. For him, where he's like, okay, I'm an idiot. I need to stop doing this to try and prove how tough I can eat. Yes. Uh, Peter then goes running with all the stuff that he has in the wheelbarrow, um, and he starts to head over there. Uh, he heads back to like that stairway, the where they came out, you know, the little hallway Yeah. Uh, that was empty before, and as he came in there, he is jumped by a, uh, by a zombie. Uh, Steven comes out of that same door, and he's also attacked by three more zombies. Uh, Peter's able to pick his one up and throws it over the ledge. That's pretty fucking cool. They're attracted to the gunshots that was happening from Steven trying to kill the yes, zombie. Yes, that that's room. why they, they headed him. over yeah, there. Totally. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, then Peter tells Steven they can't go back that way. They'll lead him right back up to him. So Calls he him says, baby like three or four times. Yeah, while he's come on, it. baby. Come on. You can walk this way. Come on, fly boy. And he gets Steven to follow him. They run back into the JC JCPenney's uh, and they all follow except for, of course, the Harry Krishna zombie decides not to. Oh, something I forgot to mention. The yes. bald-headed zombie that is the cover zombie in the airport. Yes. And the Harry Krishna zombie. Same guy? No. Oh. Same band, though. Oh, they were part of the same band? There was a like a skinhead, like not like skinhead skinhead, yeah, but just they shaved work. their heads as yeah. like a gimmick for a band. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if they were punk or what type of band they were, but they were all in a band and they all had their heads shaved. And so they used him as a Harry Krishna zombie and then the airport zombie. That's nice. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, let's see. The guys go back in the, the mall and at this point when he gets in, you almost can sense that Peter starts to respect Steven a little bit more when they get in there. They get a little moment. Yeah, the guys kind of bond over this whole like getting of stuff. Yeah. They're they're doing shopping therapy basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so uh, they decide, okay, they get them all there and now they're going to go run back downstairs to draw them there. They're already downstairs. They get their attention so they can head back up and grab the stuff. As they're running back up, a ghoul just comes out out of nowhere and tackles Roger. This is another one of the good kills where Roger is able to get a screwdriver out and kill it by shoving it into the zombie's ear. Spray painted straw, cut down screwdriver, fake blood for two. Nice. I think he drilled a hole through the handle of the screwdriver for the blood tube or whatever, but and, that's how they did it. And it's still, it's another one of those. Oh, it's fucking great. Yeah, it it's another awesome one still. of those classic kills in this movie. One other thing I wanted to mention, the zombie that gets the screwdriver to the ear, that actor's name is John Harrison. Uh-huh. He did the score of Day of the Dead, I do believe, and ended up directing and directed a lot of the made-for-TV Dune stuff. Nice. Those Dune movies that were made-for-TV that were on sci-fi. Huh. He directed a lot of those as well. Had an amazing film career. Did all this crazy stuff. And he got started right there getting, getting a screwdriver in the ear. Because the air. they were friends. Romero was but friends with these guys, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. We come back to Fran. She is very not happy, and the Harry Krishna zombie is starting to come in. So then they cut back because it's he's not coming into the room yet. He's just kind of walking down the hallway. They're hanging out in the JC Penney's, and Peter comes up with a plan 
plan. The original plan was just to maybe stop and rest and leave, but he's saying, why do they have to leave? They may have a good thing going here, uh, but they need a way to get back to the door leading to the hallway that will lead to the stairs without any of the zombies out there seeing them, or else they'll just follow them right up there. Yep. And that's when Steven comes up with a plan saying he found these tubes on the map, and they realize they're probably air duct tubes or something they could crawl in, and they realize it's in the elevator shaft. Uh, we cut back to Fran. She hears someone coming. She asks if it's Steven, but we see it is a Harry Christmas zombie, so she goes and tries to barricade the door, but it definitely wants in. This sequence always drags for me in the movie. Yeah, this starts to get a little... I think the reason it bugs me is I hate seeing Fran, who we will see become quite strong and quite awesome, Being be this so week. timid and weak, and it's like, oh, God, Romero, did you learn nothing from Barbara yet? Yeah. <laughs> but it was the time. Yes. It was the time where you had the damsel in distress. Yes. And then out of distress. Yes. <laughs> well, she never gets out of distress, but... No, she does. Oh, she does, but, you know, you don't see much. It's shadowed, but... Yeah. You know, if you have a Blu-ray and the uh, print that you have might be brightened up with the TV a little bit. I saw everything. <laughs> At least from the waist up. Nice. Uh, the guys find the spot right above the elevator, um, so they know that they can get now to that area following that map back to the I door. Think this is where Flyboy gets their respect. Yes, right here he's when he went through all that. Because yeah. he even says, way to go, Flyboy, you found it. And, yeah. you know, he's like, all right, we're good. And this is where Steven stops acting like an asshole more, too, because he's got the men's approval. Yes, right now he's he can be kind of cool. He's a member of the pack. He feels yeah. like he can be a good beta male, and he's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bran tries to use a flare, but it, it does not help, and it gets knocked out of her hand. But it does startle the zombie and push him back enough, a little bit. Enough, yeah. yes. Uh, then she tries to climb away by using the ladder that's like this half ladder. Uh, then the guys come back up after, you know, getting all the stuff. Steven almost shoots the zombie, but Roger stops him saying that they'll uh, alert all the rest of them that are in the mall that, you know, if they hear the gunshot and they clobber the zombie instead. Uh, and then as Steven's like comforting her and the guys take the zombie out into the hallway, <laughs> then he spends his whole time going, oh, we found this place. Well, this mall, so much great stuff, Fran. We got a maid, Fran. It's going to be great, Fran. I'm like, holy fuck, can you be more of a 1950s dude? Like, we have a maid, baby. We are, we're going to have it all. <laughs> okay, it's time to talk about it. The movie's about consumerism. It's yes. obvious. It's always been about consumerism, yes. Yeah, this film, this yes. fil- Yeah, this one, yeah. yeah. It's obvious that that's the problem. It's is all the about consumerism stuff, that was stuff, stuff. Developing at the end of the 70s and these, and really bad, yeah. These type of malls, while this may have been one of the earliest ones, a ton of them were popping up at this time all around the country. Yeah. Malls are these new indoor malls that you have you play video games, you can have dinner in them. You don't ever have to leave them. You know, it was kind of how malls were first built. You put a bar in there, you can put a restaurant in there, maybe a movie theater, something like the ice rink or any other kind of sporting thing you can put in there. Arcade and then all these stores. Get them you, attracted to the various things that are there, but then keep them for the shopping and all the other stuff. And it's so funny how it ebbs and flows because you also could put a grocery store in there. See, grocery shop, you never have to leave the mall. Never until it closes. It yep. has everything you need. Yep. And I just remember how it ebbs and flows because then I remember when I was a kid and malls were kind of already big, you never had grocery. That's when they stopped, like, no no more grocery stores and malls. That just wasn't cost effective. You know, they just, you went there, you shopped for clothes, they had toy stores, and that was it. That was, and then a food court. That's what malls had. And then Mall of America came back, which kind of brought back that mega mall style. And, th- and then it was the first actual mega mall. Yeah. yeah. And then everyone started throwing in, like, oh, we'll throw grocery stores in the mall too. We can do that or whatever. Well, there was also 
a time when we were kids too, where malls would basically become out of fashion. They weren't upkept much. So someone would just build a newer mall. Yes. And then you would just go to the newer, fancier mall. And then the older mall that was falling apart started having things that the other mall wouldn't house, like knife stores and yeah. would put in like a grocery store or something like that. And it would end up just basically trying to get anybody in there that they could yep. in this like older falling apart type of mall. Yeah. And those were the fun malls to go to because they were kind of <laughs> dangerous. Yes. they they You looked over your shoulder in those malls. But okay, enough about yeah, malls. And enough about malls. Holy yeah. shit. But that's but, what the movie's about. That's It all fits. But uh, the mall is like a character in this movie. Oh, it totally is. The mall is its own character in this movie. Yeah, it's this uh, lost city that is supposed to be this amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, well, now it's time to find out the news. And that is our next clip. What the hell time is it anyway? Not quite nine. Nothing? Well, as long as we're getting a pattern, that must mean they're sending a signal. No longer seek occupancy in private residences. No matter how safe or well-protected they may be, the president today has sent to Congress a package of initiatives aimed at what sources call a most sweeping set. She all right? She looks blown. What do you expect? No, I mean she really looks sick. Physically. She's pregnant. That communications with Detroit have been knocked out. How far along? Three and a half, four months. Jesus. And New York City. Steve, maybe we should try to get moving. We can deal with it. Yeah, but maybe she needs a doctor or something. We can deal with it. Doesn't change a thing. You want to get rid of it? Huh? Do you want to abort it? It's not too late, and I know how. In other reports, now coming into our new studio. Let's get some sleep. Throughout Europe and parts of Asia, where a state of martial law will take effect in scattered areas this evening. All your decisions made. Do you want to abort it? Do you? Somebody better sit watch all the time. They'll never get through there. Enough of them will. And it ain't just them things we got to worry about. That chopper up there could give us away if somebody comes messing around. What are they going to do? Land another pilot to fly it out? They're not going to mess with a little bird like that. They got enough on their hands. Mm-hmm. So I guess we forget about Canada, right? Nobody cares about my vote. Fran, oh, I thought you were sleeping. Damn it, Fran. You were the one that wanted to set up a house. The normal question, the first question is always, are these cannibals? No, they are not cannibals. Cannibalism in the true sense of the word implies an interspecies activity. These creatures cannot be considered human. They prey on humans. They do not prey on each other. That's the difference. They attack and they feed only on warm human flesh. Intelligence? Seemingly little or no reasoning power. What basic skills remain are more remembered behaviors from uh, normal life. There are reports of these creatures using tools. But even these actions are the most primitive. The use of external articles as bludgeons and so forth. I might point out to you that even animals will adopt the basic use of tools in this manner. These creatures are nothing but pure, motorized instinct. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. They must be destroyed on sight. Wait, when did Lee Russell pop in here? <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. Oh, of course. Definitely. Yeah. And this is the th- science is half blind that we were talking yes, about earlier. Yes, yeah. but I had to throw in it for her voice. They must be destroyed on sight. 
The thing that's crazy about this is this guy is correct. Yes. They will gravitate to the city, so you make sure you evacuate all the living people, mm -hmm. and then you set something up to draw them all in, and then you just burn it to the ground. Yes. You just fucking nuke and that, them. We'll actually come to that here later when he starts talking about that option. Yeah. Which is... Well, and was there's like a section where he like says that they should be feeding them, and like the arguments that he's having back and forth, yeah. where he's just like, look, if you don't do this, we're all going to die. And like I love it. The, they, must, they must be destroyed on site is the, the, the start of it, but then yes. he, you can see where this guy slowly but surely is just giving up and realizing that they have no options. Yeah, except for annihilation. Essentially. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. The next day, Fran uh, states that she will not be their den mother, and she wants to say in what's ever going on. There's four of us, and she wants an equal say. And Peter's like, well, that's fine by me, and you can tell Steven's embarrassed by this, because he feels probably, because he's like, I should probably get her under control or something. A woman has an opinion on the internet that just cut off his dick. <laughs> Steven's an incel that lucked into a woman that he trapped by knocking her up. Exactly. Uh, she goes, she also states she wants to learn how to fly the chopper. And uh, Peter says that she's exactly right, that we should have more than one person who knows how to fly that thing. And he looks at the other guys like, anybody else want to learn besides yeah. Fran? And uh, then she also states that she never wants to be left alone without a gun. And yeah, Steven just gets all pissy about it and gives her a gun. How dare you want to protect yourself with a weapon as he slams it down. Yeah, I mean, that is for men to do, not for women. Yeah, fuck Steven in this yeah. so much. Oh, uh, yeah. This is... My opinion of him has always been, wow, what a fucking putz. Yeah, he was a putz. Yeah. Uh, He's a beautiful fucking zombie. All right. Well, now it's time to go and run the trucks to block the entrances in the mall. Roger parks close, uh, one of the trucks close, in, uh, to the doors, and then gets out and hops in uh, with Peter to grab another truck. But we see Roger seems to be more and more losing it, uh, becoming more erratic, not as calm, not as measured as he was. The invincibility psychosis is setting in on him. Yes. Important to note in this sequence for people that have watched the film, every single zombie that gets hit by the truck and gets jumped back and lands into a bunch of other zombies, yeah. Tom Savini. Oh, really? Because he did stunts. Oh, that's right. Savini did do stunts. And what he actually did is he would set up a trampoline to make it look like he was being hit by the truck. Uh -huh. And the truck would drive past where the trampoline is, and he would hop on the trampoline and jump backwards into a group of zombies to catch him. Nice. And he timed it just right that it made it look like the corner of the truck would hit him and knock Fuck, him he did, he did. Zombies. All that looked really good. Yeah. Basically, almost all the stunts were... No, all the stunts were Tasso or Tom Savini, when Tasso was Tom's friend. Oh, okay. And, you know, like kind of like a makeup assistant, too, yeah. at some point as well. But, like, one of the reasons to respect Tom Savini is all the shit he did in this film. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this film would not have been the same without him. No, it would not have been. Uh, he As he's running back to Peter's truck, he zombie kind of grabs him by the face, and he just kind of, like, stands there and stares at it for knocking it out. Uh, they get back to the other trucks, and he starts hotwiring another one, and Peter goes to go back to the entrance. And Steven, flying over, sees that uh, Roger's being surrounded, or his truck is, by some zombies. Uh, then, all of a sudden, Roger hears one of them slapping the glass above the driver's seat. He looks up, and as he goes for his gun, it gets caught on something, and then two other zombies come into the open door in the passenger seat, start grabbing for his feet. Uh, Steven takes the helicopter over to where Peter is, and kind of just like Peter sees the helicopter and realizes something must be wrong, so he starts driving back. Um, so as, it, as he was able to make one kick, and it kicks one of the zombies off, and Peter hits that one with the truck. Peter keeps saying, oh, get her head up, get her head up. One of the zombies is on top of uh, Roger. Tom Ro Savini's girlfriend at the time, by the way. Really? Yeah, the uh, blonde lady. Yeah. Nice. 
twice. Roger is able to force her up, and Peter uh, puts a bull in her head, which splatters blood all over uh, Roger, and he seems to be really now just almost catatonic. And then he says the following words that Court and I have established to be the words you state right before everything gets fucked, and that is our next clip. Bastards. Bastards. Roger. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. Yeah, never say we got this by the ass. No, anytime you say that, shit's going to go bad. It's going to go wrong. You are basically tempting fate to fuck your shit up when yeah, you say that. Yeah. 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 I we, have, I've had like a lock on a video game and jokingly said it just like that. We got yeah. this. We got this by the ass. And the next thing I know, I'm dead in an instant. Yes. I, I would never say that again. I will <laughs> never say it unless referencing it. Yeah. Like I'm quoting the movie, but yeah. never. Seriously, guys, that, that phrase is cursed. Don't say it. Don't say it, man. Yeah. Don't and you're going to find out why it's cursed. So we're, we get some more running over some zombies action. They block another door, and this time it's even more zombies are packed in. Uh, Roger has to jump from his truck over to uh, Peter's. He does so, and he almost, almost gets caught up and swarmed. Luckily, Fran is up there with a the gun, and while she didn't make any headshots, she shot enough to push him back. It's important to note that Fran is shooting from a much further distance and already a better shot than Steven yes. without us knowing any previous marksmanship skills exactly as they start driving away roger loses it because he left his bag of tools that he was using to hot wire the trucks in the other truck that's not that's not it that's it's not just losing it because of the bag of tools oh well no no but i mean well, he, okay it's one it's another he, thing i pulled are you ready oh uh, yeah who in the fuck took my paper clips you hear it you can really hear his emotion there that he's yeah. starting to lose it yeah it's starting so it's, to come untethered it's not about the bag no no it's, it's about the who in the fuck took my paper clips you hear it there. It's about the paper clips. Yeah. Obviously. Totally, yeah. Yeah. He's lost it. He's lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Peter then gives him a heart to heart to get his fucking shit together. You could say heart to heart or you could say you're gambling with my life now, pal. Yeah. You get me hurt. I'll kill you first. Yep. Exactly. He says, are we good? And Peter calms down a little bit and says, yeah, we're good. And it almost seems like Peter is kind of back to where, you know, back to neutral almost kind of like, you know, okay, I just got clumped to it and they go back for the bag. He's able to get it, but then he drops it to the ground from the truck cab so he has to go down to get it enough shooting but he is not able to get out in time and when he gets up he is bitten in the arm and then when he tries to crawl up back into the cab he is bitten in the leg fuck he's got like a little scrape on the arm that leg bite is nasty yes but the you know all he needs a scrape on the arm well i know yeah. but i'm just saying like it's not a bad wound where he's oh, yeah. bleed the out. leg is the fucked. leg is bad uh so anyway as he's tying it off uh he goes oh man we got to deal with your leg. I love his line where he goes, I'm dealing with it, man. I'm just dealing with it, okay? And he says, Bus, we have a lot of work to do before you afford to lose me. Yeah, because both of these guys have probably seen enough bites to know that he's done. Oh, they know that he's done. They both yeah. know. No one yeah. else really talks about it, but these no. two obviously know that he's done. Yes. I mean, they do deal with it and talk about it later in the movie, but at this point, they both know what that means, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to get you situated. Guys yeah. are my friends. I'm going to take care of you. Get as much work done as I can before it's over. Yeah, so we got to get moving. Yep. Let's just deal with the leg later. That night, as Fran dresses uh, Roger's wounds, Stephen and Peter make a plan. Uh, they're going to grab some guns, and then they're going to make a plan to lock the doors that are leading into the mall. Uh, get those 
is all locked. So then the mall is secure and then do the clear out. Um, but they have to get the guns and ammo. Yeah, because a zombie could get lucky and still get the door open just enough to kind of force crawl their way in. Yeah. They may like remove some skin on the way in. Yeah. But they would still be able to possibly crawl through. Yeah, exactly. it's not perfect. Well, anyway, they break into the gun shop and uh, Peter finds a really nice rifle. And he says, it's funny. The uh, only person who can miss with this is the sucker with the bread to buy it. <laughs> kind of got a point. Yeah, probably. Another beautiful lever action rifle, too. Oh, yeah. It's Romero, awesome. Romero has a very specific type of gun he likes to fetishize. Yes, he does. And that, so that those Winchester lever type oh, rifles. And it's, it is beautiful. Well, he's yeah. a, clearly a Western fan. Oh, yeah. Clearly. Because the, the guns that they go for are even the old style Western well, style guns. And and even stuff. when they were first running, if you notice, both the SWAT guys have two, they have three guns. They have, both have a side piece. They both have their main kind of military grade semi-automatic weapon. And then they both have rifles for more exact shots. And some of the guys have shotguns for just murdering people. Yeah, just for murdering random people of of, of different ethnicities. Ethnicities. <laughs> ethnicities, him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm dry. <laughs> All right. So here. Uh, so anyway, now we run back and everyone's getting ready. They run back into the big store again, have the door uh, shut. Uh, they are talking about how it's going to have to be real quick and make this run. And then Fran has the idea to use the cars. There are cars that are there and they could use them to drive from one end of the mall to the other to lock the doors, which would make things a lot easier. And holy shit. Yeah. And so they have. Again, she may be a drag to everybody, but, but she has she's the best fucking idea. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have Roger can hotwire and drive, so they make their run, and then we get a kind of like a little another little scary moment where they're gonna run, and she's like, "Roger, you didn't lock the door, or not, Roger, Stephen, you didn't lock the door, the keys." And so Stephen tries to get the keys off, and they're stuck in his belt, and it looks like they're gonna get swarmed, but luckily he's able to get them off, lock the, the, the door, and you get forgot them to move mention on. you last week you said that you don't really see the fire come back, and they use it in this. And one you do, torches. yes, yeah. you do it. They have a fire flame. You don't know what they're gonna use it for yet, but you're about to find out. They have these little, just like a yeah, little flame. When they're trying to lock propane. the door, Stephen yeah. had the torch with him. Yes. And, and they already, they the already scared yeah. some away. Yeah. yeah. And, but here's what you really see they're going to use them for. So they get into the car. Um, they, uh, they, Roger starts uh, calling in to hotwire it, but his leg's hanging out and a ghoul tears into his leg again. The same injured leg. That's got to fucking suck. Peter shoots it. Uh, Roger gets the car running and all three of them get into there and they take off and they're able to lock the doors and he uses the torch for any hand are in the way of the doors closing. He uses the torch on them, and they do react to that. And they also swing them. Yeah. We, we, at the, when so they're trying, fire still has when a... They're, when they're breaking out of the J.C. Pennies to go yeah. get the car, they yeah. do swing them to get past. Yeah, and the, so fire still bothers them. In this one. Yeah. In this one. Yeah. Um, here. Uh, and they are able, after doing that, they're able to lock the doors. Uh, Steven asked if they could br- just break through, and uh, Peter said, no, it's safety glass, so it's indestructible, and from where the trucks are, they won't have any leverage to really push on it anyway. Yeah, it's just to so. make sure the door won't open enough for one of them to squeeze through. Yeah, or they can't break through the plexiglass and get enough or get enough of them to break the maybe not the glass. It's safety glass, so it's indestructible. But the actual doors down because now they can only pile up one yeah. because of where the trucks are. It's only room for one, yeah. and maybe they'll call crawl on the ground and try to do it, but they can never get the leverage to break down the doors. It's an actual beautiful plan if you're only trying to hide from the dead. Yeah, but it ob- it makes it obvious for the living where. 
where you're at. Yes, exactly. Uh, not to mention a huge helicopter on the roof. Well, they discuss that later on, too. Yeah. Uh, so we get some more zombie shooting, uh, some more random zombie shooting. Uh, at this point, we see a beer league baseball player uh, zombie just staring at Fran. That was kind of an eerie scene. <laughs> yeah. That, that part's an, a little unsettling. That guy, whoever that was, played a good a good zombie. Yeah, because some of them aren't really looking to eat you. They're just, if you're around and you're convenient, they'll bite you. Yeah. But usually they're just like trying to figure out what's going on with them and their brains are just misfiring. Yeah. He's totally staring at himself in his own reflection and kind of sees Fran. Yeah. Uh, uh, sort of, but he's just kind of like trying to figure out where she is. In and I'd also bet if Fran started moving a lot, because she's also just kind of sitting there. If she moved, he'd probably be all active then. Agitated, like, yeah. oh shit, I want to eat that. But she's just sitting still and he can't smell her or hear her because he's behind the glass. So he's just kind of like, whatever, I'm just going to fucking hang out then. Yeah. Fuck all these guys. Yeah. But cut to now the four looking over their work after they're done. All the doors are locked and they have wiped out all the dead in the building. So everything is cleared out. They're all, the dead are still laying there, but they're all actual dead now. They make a decision. They're going to put up a wall around the door to the stairwell. They just want it to look like if they're ever, and they even mention it. Here's where they mention it. They go, there's that, you know, the helicopter on the roof. So if anybody breaks in here, I don't want them even knowing about that door or the hallway leading up to these stairs. Yeah. So that wall, that's a pretty good idea to the little hideout area. Uh, Roger's infection is getting worse. Uh, Peter has made mention that he has seen a lot of guys bit and no one has lasted more than three days. And he's telling this to the folks who were in the at home yeah. watching it or on the theater but yeah. also when he's talking to Steven and uh, Fran about it, he's essentially telling them this but he's also just like abandon all hope. Yeah, he's, You're screwed. he's going to die. Yeah. Um, uh, Roger uh, goes on to say hey man, we whipped him, didn't we? We really whipped him. And We whipped him and we, we got it all. Yeah, we got it all. Stuffed. All, all this about the stuff. stuff. Yeah, all this great stuff for any. Yeah. All this great stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, next day, they are building a wall. Uh, Fran starts getting sick, and Steven goes to check on her, but she does not want him seeing them like that. So she's like, this isn't your problem. Get out of here. It's mine. So Franny is uh, fiercely independent. Yeah, much to Steven's chagrin. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, then as uh, Steven comes back out, Peter makes mention that it's going to you know, probably start getting a little rank in there, so they're going to probably want to clean up the bodies. So we have a body cleanup montage. Fun. But the weird thing about it is those are actual human beings being stacked up like that on top of yeah. each other. How painful was that for them to get that shot? Oh, it had that to be had to fucking hurt. the worst. Yeah, the people like bottom yeah. of that pile had to really be in pain. You, you, well, and what you had to do, because you never saw someone like just get lumped. So you, you okay, get as comfortable as you can so we're not going to crush your face. And then somebody else will lay down really slowly on top of that person. We're just going to make it look really bad for half a second, but it's going to suck. But you got to hold it for at least a minute and then yeah. we'll be done. Yeah. But it was really well done, and yeah. the moving them on carts and how utilitarian it was. Yeah. It reminded me of some Holocaust footage that I've seen of dealing with the bodies, definitely into the pits and stuff. And definitely. it was really disturbing, and it immediately drew that image to my mind. And then they're putting them in the. I get it, you know, you want to put them in the cooler because you know where they won't decompose the most. But and that's where your food is, man. When you put the person down, there's a rack of fucking uh, steak loins there, man. That thing had food in it. Yeah, why are they putting them in the freezer? Why don't they just like toss them off the side of the fucking building? 
Well, something. I suppose because the only way to get to the top of the building is that little room they're in, and there's not even a full ladder there. Yeah. It's a half ladder, and it's not even easy to get up that. What they should have done is cleaned out that freezer. You should have seen the <laughs> sequence of them cleaning out the freezer <laughs> while other maybe people are piling fu- out the bodies. Like, maybe put them in the fucking, I don't know, put the food in where the skating rink is. I mean, that's cold, right? Or just, well, you don't want to pile up the zombie skating rink. No. But, you know, put them somewhere where there's ice, but not yeah. with all the food. Yeah. Yeah, just figure something out. I never pay attention to the food there. I'm just watching them stack zombies. I always thought it was empty. Yeah. No, it was, it's got food in it. Uh, so then uh, Stephen and Peter go ahead and rob a bank. That's fun. And then we get a shopping montage where everyone's kind of like looking at clothes. So they paid for all the stuff that they stole from the bank. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, after a long day of shopping and playing games and having fun, they're all kind of dressed in new hip kind of clothes for the time, all that. And they stand in the mall and they can hear the dead at the doors. And that leads to our next clip. They're still here. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're after the place. They don't know why. They just remember. Remember that they want to be in here. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? This is something my granddaddy used to tell us. You know Makumbo? Fudu. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. I want to see Peter's life before the zombie apocalypse as a movie because he's got an interesting fucking life. Yeah, man. I mean, his grandfather was in voodoo. Yeah. His blood brother's in jail. What brother plays pro ball? Yeah. He's a, he's a cop. He knows how to abort babies. I mean. Yeah. Okay. So Fred Williamson plays his older brother, who's his brother that's in jail. Yes. And then you can get, um, and, well, Fred Williamson was a football player, but we'll, we'll, another African-American yeah. gentleman uh, who played football. Jim Brown is his brother that's in jail. There you go. Fred Williamson is his brother who is playing football. Uh-uh. Jim Brown's the one who's playing football. Okay. It's Jim fucking Brown. <laughs> the man's in the fucking Hall of Fame. Okay, so we put Jim Brown playing football. There I don't know the sports ball that well. Yeah, yeah. Fred Williamson there you go. can be the one in jail. There you go. His grandfather, the El Macumbo zombie guy, uh-huh. is the guy who played Baron Zomdi. <laughs> yes! There you go. You're thinking of the one from um, the Bond film. That's fine. I'm yeah. talking about the one from Sugar Hill, which is like the greatest horror exploitation, uh, black exploitation film ever made. Oh, Jesus. All I right. I love that film. Either way, we got a film. We got a movie if we yeah. could have just gotten all those guys. Yeah, right? Oh, oh. And his sidekick at the time, his friend that he grew up with, Rudy Raymore. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> what has he had? <laughs> Where is Peter's brother and what has he had? <laughs> Why are they trying to eat us? What have they had? <laughs> I'm determined to have your brain. That's what the zombies are all shouting. We just don't understand it because they don't speak ang- their language. Uh, right. Uh, we cut to Roger and he is in real bad shape and it takes peter to be able to hold him down yeah they're pumping him full of morphine and drugs to keep him going the uh two friends uh talk and also we hear some further societal breakdown in our next clip take care of me won't you peter you take care of me when i go just try to get some sleep man save his strength i i don't want to be walking around like that peter Peter! Yeah, I'm here, man. Don't do it to you, sure. I am coming back. I'm gonna try not to. I'm gonna try not to come back. I'm gonna try not to. Hey, they use maybe 5% of the food available in the human body. The kind of thing With that, that small amount, 
the body is usually intact enough to be mobile when it revives. What are you saying? I mean, you know, you scientists. Dummies! You're suggesting... Dummies! Dummies! Excuse me. Listen, quiet, quiet. Shh! One wonders whether it's worth saving. It's worth saving. For all I know, the brains are already dead, and it's the idiots that are still alive. And I figured out how to stay alive, too. And I'm trying to help you, dummies. In your calm, helping way, you do irritate people by the illogical way. Illogical hell. Illogical hell. I'm showing you a way that we can up the food supply 20 times. The food supply for who? For a whole specimen that is walking around there in increasing numbers. We should feed them? What else are you going to do with them? Give me an alternative. I thought you scientists could come up with an actual way to solve the problem rather than feeding the opposition. Doesn't make any sense. Well, I can think of one other alternative. I can think of another alternative. Yes. Since they seem to congregate in heavily populated areas, and since we haven't touched upon our nuclear resources, why don't we drop bombs in all the big cities? You're probably serious. I'm deadly serious. What are the choices? They won't run out of food, young lady. That's the problem, you see. And they won't run out of food while we're still alive. These kind of things out. You know, the things that you're talking about here sound like just a bunch of people talking, a this bunch of scientists without actually rhetoric. figuring it out. Fighting. This is not the Republicans versus the Democrats. They've got us in the hole economically, or we're in another war. It's more crucial than that. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. There are no divisions among, among living Please. societies. We've got to remain rational, logical, logical. Scientists always think in those kind of terms. It doesn't work that way. That's not how people really are. We've got to remain logical. We've got to. There's no choice. It has to be that. It's that or the end. That's where he gives up, and that's yep. where he's broken, too. Yep, including in deadly serious in launching nukes into uh, every major U.S. city. He's not we, wrong, though. But we, if their stand is, you launch just, you don't even have to launch all. You launch five nukes into five major U.S. cities, you've ended the world. I know. That's all that needs to be said, or at least for the living. Well, the world's ending for the living anyway. Yeah, at that point, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it is just maybe a shorter end <laughs> than, than what we were getting, and who knows what an irradiated zombie would look like. Ooh. Awesome. I know, right? I almost want someone to make a zombie movie, like nuke it. <laughs> Radioactive zombies? Yeah. yeah. But, oh, man, that'd be fucking cool. Well, unfortunately, we've seen uh, a zombified Roger uh, whose picture hangs on uh, your wall right behind you. Uh, yeah, funny story about Roger's signature. Yeah. A friend of mine got that at a Pittsburgh Comic Con that also had a few of like, you know, like a Pittsburgh celebrities yeah. thing. And he got that sign for me. That was the first signature I ever got. And a friend got me that. And as you can see, looking around the room, I'm hooked on it. Yes. And 
And Roger's, actually, his zombie face is the one that I remember on the box of Dawn of the Dead. It's one of them where they yeah. had like a... It was a yeah. three-person face where he kept going, it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What I'm talking about is the theatrical movie No, poster. I know. Yeah, I know. The VHS box art, you're absolutely correct. That is one of the things that they did with like, yeah. the steps of Roger getting uh, Roger more turning, more turning into a zombie. As a rising sun goes yep. in the background. Yeah, yep. you're right. With Roger dead uh, a second time, uh, they uh, bury him and begin to live life in the mall. Uh, Fran and Steven do some target practice so they're not completely woefully fucking useless. Making a great use of uh, mannequins yeah. to be able to get a good shot. And in the in doing it in the ice rink, you know, the it's like a, a gun range. It's important to note that Steven is using a rifle to make his shots with a scope. Yeah. Franny's doing it with a fucking handgun, which is super, but super. Steven was doing it with a handgun. Well, they switch off. Okay. But like the first yeah. the first section, yeah. she's already adept at a handgun at that distance. And then the next section, they're split. Either way, either way, you can tell Peter was like, well, okay, with Roger God, both of you better get fucking proficient real fucking quick. I would assume that when you're living in a world where the dead come back to life and a headshot is the only thing that's going to save your ass, yeah. you're going to want to learn to be a good marksman. Yes, yes. If not, get in really good shape and learn how to use melee weapons like a motherfucker. If not, get in really, really good shape and just learn how to run like a motherfucker. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Just, yeah, especially if they're slow, man. You're fucking... Well, they're dead. They're all messed up. Yeah, they're all messed up. Uh, Peter makes a nice dinner just for Stephen and Fran, and he proceeds to go get wasted with Roger. So that was that was sad, but it happened. Uh, little, little story I want to tell. Uh-huh. When I went to the Monroeville Mall for my bachelor party, yeah. where they, quote-unquote, buried Roger, uh-huh. I had a flask, and I did, uh, did a little nip and dumped a little right there and then ran. Nice. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> Again, my friends who were taking me there were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, Steven asked Fran to marry him, but she declined, saying it would be real. Then we cut to them in bed, staring off into the abyss, into nothingness, and you feel fucking while they may be safe in this mall, it's all fucking still hopeless. Well, that's really driven home later on whenever you see Peter playing tennis. Oh, well, yeah, and here we go. Yeah. We now cut, it's been a few weeks at least, according to Fran's calendar, calendar and she's also starting to show so we can tell it's been some time by the uh, way it's still not too late if you want to get rid of it and i know how <laughs> down the stairs anyway well you get the one shaved head zombie to come back up the stairs and you hand him a baseball bat and 70 bucks worth of meth yeah right <laughs> the hideout is all furnished now it almost looks like a little like apartment room and peter is practicing tennis on the roof you can tell he's fucking just insane trying to stay in shape trying to stay busy and can uh, we just comment on how good ken for he looks in that scene yeah, man. I dudes mean, in shape. If you're into dudes, this is the scene for you. This is a thank you movie. Yeah. Yeah. If that does it for you. Yeah. And if you're not into dudes and then you watch that scene, you kind of think to yourself, wait, maybe I am. You gotta watch the scene go and look at your old flabby body and go, what have I done with myself? Like, no wonder nobody wants to fuck me. <laughs> I, I'm not in shape, but I don't know how to perform an abortion. Fuck, I'm useless. Clip. Clip. <laughs> I shut the fuck up when yeah, you started yeah, that. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> I like that, that one. That one's awesome. That one's going to be great. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, as he Peter decides he's done, he grabs his stuff and like pretty much just knocks all the tennis balls and their, and their things down for like no reason other than I think he's just pissed at life. Well, and also they're showing the excess of their situation. They have more stuff than they could ever possibly want and or use. Yeah. So the stuff that they were so enamored with now means nothing. Yep. Them, the which ball. is a total consumerism commentary perfectly. Yep. The ball drops and the dead are still coming. More and more and more are flooding that parking lot. Well, they 
get attracted to the sound of the ones trying to get in, or yep. they may notice it, or they're just wandering past, or this was, like they said earlier, an important place in their life, Ex- so now they're congregating here. Exactly. So you have built yourself one hell of a horrible trap yeah. where only really the, the fucking helicopter is going to get you out at this point. Exactly. Uh, Fran does some solid makeup work, and uh, while she's just kind of staring off into the, her own abyss and all that makeup, uh, you hear a little mall announcement about getting like a free bag of fucking candy. I'm if like, you have a sweet tooth. Yeah. <laughs> get some of that, that free box of candy. Bag of candy. Bag of candy. Uh, that night, Peter and Steven are playing some cards, and then they're getting ready to eat. Steven is trying to find a broadcast, but Fran is very annoyed and says there hasn't been one for three days, so just lay three weeks. Is it three days or three weeks? three weeks? See, I thought it was three weeks, and then I went back and I thought she said three days. It's been three weekdays. Three weekdays. <laughs> we'll agree on that. There you go. Three weekdays. Uh, and she then gets up and turns it off. Uh, Stephen waits for her to come all the way back, sit down, stands up without saying anything, and turns it back on. Passive aggressive to the next fucking level. He sighs a little bit right after she sits down before he does it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's barely audible, but he does. And then Fran asks, what have they done to themselves? And it's almost kind of like a wake-up moment for all three of them, it seems. Because now we cut to the next day. It's almost like they have a renewed sense of self. They load up the chopper with a bunch of emergency supplies in case they have to get out of there. Um, he finally teaches Fran how to fly the helicopter, and she's able to land it, which is, I think, like the last lesson you learn in being a pilot is landing. That's well, like, for helicopters, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for helicopters. Once you learn how to land, you kind of have everything kind of, you know, you're well aware in the first. And the, yeah, if it's already in the air, it's pretty easy to keep it up there so long as you're just learning then. Yeah. I'm sure it's terrifying as shit, and no thank you. Yeah, no thanks. I don't even want to fucking ride in Although it. Although I kind of wish I wasn't afraid of heights and knew how to fly a helicopter because in the zombie apocalypse, I'd be highly sought after. <laughs> People would die to keep you alive. Yes, because, I mean, a helicopter is so much better than a plane in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> you don't need a runway to land, just a stable fucking surface. See, I'm more of the idea of I know how to weld, I know how to do certain things that I've learned from my dad. Yeah. I'm building my own dead reckoning. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. my plan. That's the next thing. That's another good one. I'm going to have a Winnebago of death in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> then we could be like the two guys at Day of the Dead. He isn't going to kill me because I'm his ride. He ain't going to kill Court because he's building him another ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, my thing would be definitely like a more long-term solution, a house yeah. on wheels that they can't flip. Exactly. Yeah. That's fucking, you want something, you want dead reckoning in, in this fucking world. thing, yeah. Yeah, in this world. Um, But yeah, this uh, I can't wait for Day now because that is just one of the best. Like, he ain't going to kill me because I'm his ride. <laughs> it's like fucking A. Yeah. <laughs> just guys who have carte blanche on life. <laughs> Literally. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see here. Uh, anyway, uh, after they fly, uh, they land, they are spotted by Savini and some raiders. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in for some trouble. Uh, those raiders make contact, and that is actually our final clip. <laughs> Okay, listen, uh, how many you got up there anyway? Uh, look, there's, uh, there's three of us. What a sh- I think we should tell Jesus Christ, shut up and listen. 
We don't like people that don't share. You just fucked up real bad. Just three, huh? Holy shit. They'll get in. They'll move the trucks. There's hundreds of those creatures down there. Come on, man. That's a professional army. Looks like they've been surviving on the road all through this thing. Well, let's not make it easy for them. Come on. Well, shit, the Raiders arm up and they storm the mall. Peter gets back into swap mode. Uh, you know, get back into the o- overalls. Takes but, off yeah. all of his jewelry, yeah. all of his fancy stuff. Uh, I just want to point out, too, that uh, they didn't know that many people that had motorcycles. Uh-huh. So they just got a group of patched motorcyclists. I don't know if it was a full-fledged, like, 1% gang. Yeah, but it was kind of a gang. But they let a pretty much gang, for lack of a better term, yeah. of motorcyclists run right. through a pretty much brand new mall. With motorcycles. They did that in this movie. That's fucking insane. Yeah. At the insanity po- of that. At what point are you shitting your pants? As the insurance guy? Yeah. The, yeah. Like, like I'm just, I just can't even picture like, that. I wouldn't even look. I'm going to just be like, the, la, 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 eyes closed, fingers and ears. Like, I'm not paying attention to and this. And you see George directing some of that stuff. There's a wonderful documentary, and that's what the fourth disc is. The Document of the Dead that's shot by Roy Frumkes. Uh-huh. And you see George shooting some of that stuff, and he's like a kid in a candy store with all this chaos going on. Oh, yeah. Like, he feeds on it, and he loves it. He fucking loves chaos, man. He's really into it. (laughs) Anyway, Peter gets, uh, as I say, get back into swamp mode, and what they decide to do is they're not going to make it easy on them. They're going to shut all the gates to the stores. So you're going to let the dead in. You're going to have to spend time opening up the gates. Uh, He's just trying to slow them down to keep them from being able to take that much stuff, because they know that they can always retake them all. Yeah. Uh, The Raiders uh, use grenades, and they kind of blow some shit up. Uh, Oh, one of the things I wanted to point out, too, right after they get the gates locked up, now that we're at that point. Yeah. All right, we were talking about it earlier, and we were talking about how you don't like the use of the Zed work. Yeah, but he uses it right in here. Yeah. With those bay doors open, there's going to be a thousand zombies in here. That's the, zombies in here. That's the only time I ever hear it. Oh, yeah? It, well, in this film. Yeah. I don't know. Do you ever hear it in the day? It's not in day that I know of because they have a bunch of very colorful, the, really horrifically vulgar ways of describing yes. them. Yeah. Like pus fucks. Yeah. Which is what I always use pus for zombies. Fucks, yeah, pus fucks. I don't talk to that. Yeah. We'll attest to that. I always say that. Yeah. But, um, and then Land of the Dead, two different characters or two different times they're referred to as zombies in Land of the Dead. Oh, uh, yeah. Two different times. <laughs> I forgot about that. I said that George did it in one, which is true. There's a puppet scene where he does that and says take that you smelly zombie oh yeah it. that's right but the other one is dennis hopper when he's picking his nose he says zombies man they creep me oh out. yeah zombies man they really creep me out which i think is an improvisation that yeah. they just decided to use because it's fucking dennis hopper uh, and you uh, let him do it exactly saying. god rest his soul <laughs> anyway uh let's see here uh they uh are able to get the, all the gate shut uh the raiders enter the mall but uh so do an army of the dead uh the raiders uh blow through a lot of the gates and they start kind of battling the dead and taking stuff. We get a lot of cut scenes here of guys with like big old sledgehammers hammering zombies down, all that kind of shit. That's Tasso, the guy with the giant sledgehammer. Yeah. Because it's rubberized and he was the one that was able to have the physicality to deliver it like it was heavier than it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, they uh, then we get into like a little bit of a comedy bit where they even start substituting some of the goofy mall music in and throwing pies. And this is one of the things I love about George. Well, these guys fire all that stuff up. And yeah. Then, yeah. And they're throwing pies and seltzer water 
and stealing f- wallets. And the first zombie that was in the plaid shirt that had an eye missing and the uh, sort of like uh, curlyish yeah. like, hair that's almost like you know throwing out almost. Uh-huh. Uh, that is actually Roy Frumkes, the guy who directed the Document of the Dead. Oh, nice. And also is responsible for that street trash movie we did the commentary for. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Same that's guy. fucking hilarious. Yep. Uh, Steven starts getting mad watching this and he keeps repeating that this is ours, that they took it. So then instead of just hiding out, he starts shooting at the bikers, even though Peter was like, we can pretty much hide out. They're worried about the dead, not us. So Steven fucks up again. Basically. Yeah. Well, this is this is that whole like macho drive horse shit again. But it's also you get so used to having stuff that the thought of losing the stuff is you can't live without the stuff. You have yeah. to have the stuff. It starts killing you. Yeah. Yeah. And Larry Cohen did another movie about consumerism called The Stuff. The Oh, yeah. I never saw The Stuff. Oh, The Stuff is fucking great, but it's uh, nowhere near as good as Don Well, no, of course not. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll cover that someday. You're going to love that film. Uh, the Raiders, crazy about that stuff. Oh, okay. The Raiders start giving chase and they start their own shooting. Then we get another great, what is another like iconic scene from this movie is Savini's running and he's kind of surrounded, but he's kind of kicking ass and he takes on a machete and plows it right into the head of a zombie. And that is, that's an intense fucking, like a lot of people, that's a big time well, the thing role, is, right? The thing that's funny about that specific uh, hatchet through the head like that or the, the, the chop machete, of the machete yeah. through the head. I called it a hatchet, but yeah, yeah machete through the head. That, that stick that he uses there is just he cuts out the machete to fit around the head to yeah. make it look like it went into it. Uh-huh. And he used that to great effect several times in Friday the 13th. All the throat slits that you yeah. see, the head chops so that it's in like Friday the 13th Part 2. All of that shit was there. Mm-hmm. Was just from this simple idea of, well, I'll just, well, what can I make you see to believe it? Yeah. You know, it's, special effects are usually very simplistic if you just think uh, about the way of making it look believable. But isn't that like an epic, oh, that's yeah. an epic zombie kill, man. I mean, that's one that's also tossed around and that um, picture's always out. Yeah, that, there's an artwork reproduction That actor, whoever played him with the yeah. wide-eyed and the yeah. big old, oh, fate, you know. It was one of the lobby cards yeah. is what you're looking for. Uh, one of the yeah, promotional materials, they made a lobby card out of him and then he became well-known for that and then they have an artist did a rendering of that same scene for some Savini work and stuff like that. Yeah, uh-huh. it's very iconic. You're not wrong. Then we get lots more zombie deaths here with the bikers kind of, you know, just going through, taking people out. And then Peter starts taking out some bikers. Uh, we get more looting. Then the lights go out and Savini gets shot at by Peter. So he starts going after Peter. He wants to fight him. Steven is stuck in the elevator when the power goes out. So he climbs up on top of it. Uh, Peter's able to find the power switch and he powers them all back up. And this causes the elevator to go, which makes Steven stumble a little bit. And Steven, Steven loses his gun on top of the elevator. Uh, then the elevator lands and some guys go up there, see the panels open. They just start shooting wildly up there. I don't even know if they can see Steven. They saw him go into the, the yeah. elevator. They knew he was there and yeah. they were waiting for it to so come So they're shooting him and they actually, he does get shot in the arm, but he doesn't make any noise. So they just walk away. Uh, then as Peter climbs back up into his little, like the tubing where he is, uh, Savini sees him and he's kind of being surrounded by ghouls and he gets out his gun, but Peter shoots him all the way down into the fountain so bye you're dead um he did that stunt himself too oh really he jumped over the edge they had a bunch of fucking cardboard boxes and mattresses piled up and everything Uh and like tied together and when you look at that you're like that's stupid don't do this yeah but he does it Uh and like one of them he went off to the side a little bit too much
match and like his heel struck the floor Ooh. with the momentum but he did it again right after that oh yeah that's again document of the dead you gotta watch that if you're i a think fan i did that it's a great i think i did i think you had me watch that once Probably. you're like you should watch this and i'm yeah. like all right and i yeah. did and i was like that's fucking really good shit yeah uh, uh the bikers decide it's probably time to leave they've gotten enough stuff they got they've uh, also lost several men yes as they're driving away one's in like a sidecar he's looking up peter is able to shoot him in the arm he falls off and the good times are over folks anybody left behind now it's time to have some real fun this one is surrounded and swarmed over by the dead it is now feeding time we see another guy in the mall he apparently really wants to check his blood pressure that's like really important to him he's been doing that a lot yeah. yes so he gets into that chair but he is swarmed and you see him ripped away from his own arm then we go back into the elevator and steven is has talked to peter they know where each other are steven's trying to climb back up so that peter can get to him we cut back there's more feeding now we're getting guts being ripped out of guys you know they're being ripped in half in their bellies or the legs are being torn out so all the good stuff that you imagine from a good zombie gore flick any thoughts on this part yeah they used uh actual pig guts for the guy getting his guts ripped open which was tasso um you can actually see the guts whenever they're pulling them out some people actually chewed on them oh really good sports yeah like that's really fucking gross but they did it yeah um the arm being ripped off uh just use the cuff that's why i kept doing it just so they could use the cuff yeah to sell it as a ripped off arm yeah that still doesn't quite work for me um but the specific scene where the tasso guy gets his guts ripped open that feeding frenzy over top of him is super disturbed bro yes <laughs> yes and the screaming that guy does when he's getting his guts ripped out is awesome yeah i love it yeah my favorite part of dawn of the dead is the feeding frenzy here yes which is why i love day so much more because well, the feeding frenzy in that is amazing way more intense yeah. and the blood's way more realistic yeah. it, but one thing i love about this is again we went from this kind of goofy little oh we threw pies in their face seltzer bottle and even the music's a little goofy and lighthearted, and then within almost a snap of your finger it is now super dark and we're seeing what the real problem is with these zombies and what they do and what the dead do and they how they swarm and just literally tear you to pieces if there's enough of them well and the other thing is they're not really a threat until you cannot get past them or you're surrounded by them and you can't get away yeah if they can encapsulate you in such a way and because they're there to consume you and they are you yes you know it's just fucking freaked out you've done this to yourself by being in this mall you have allowed yourself to be consumed yeah, those guys could have looked at the mall and said ah hell well, let's pass it up maybe it's too barricaded and there's too many of the dead around we get really fucked up doing this let's go look for some other place and left them alone but it's the attraction of all of the stuff stuff and the stuff that is the end of your life you are a commodity being consumed by someone else because of your consumerism yes it's amazing the way that he did that oh yeah i love this uh as steven's climbing up the doors open and he is attacked by the dead and bitten on his legs he's falls down he's bitten some more kind of all around the upper body yeah he uh, gets like almost a jesus pose as they're eating him yeah <laughs> and he's able however to push them out and even shoots one and the doors close but the damage is done it looks like at one point uh, steven might be trying to bring the gun to his own face uh peter returns to the hideout and when franz looks like she's gonna go looking for steven he says they'll just wait uh the zombies 
zombies are trying to get back in the elevator. The door opens and there's iconic Steven zombie who you also have on your arm, I believe. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's on my right bicep. And uh, and so then <laughs> I love this with the zombies are looking, trying to get it, opens up and there's he is as a zombie. They don't stop. They turn around like, oh, sorry. All right. Sorry about that. My bad. <laughs> I would have to say that David Engie's performance here as a zombie is one of my favorite zombie walks I have ever seen. Yeah. He rolls his ankle in a way that makes me feel disgusted. Like I know. The way it hurts. That it's, it's twisted under. Oh. And the way that he's just stumbling around, like it looks like he is risking his own health yeah. to do that zombie walk. And it is incredible. Yeah. And it's so disturbing. Like he moves his arms. Like you can tell that his biceps aren't working anymore because of where they got chewed. Mm-hmm. And the reason his ankles rolled like that is because they bit off the part of his leg that holds it steady. Yeah. And it's just so grody and depressing to see. Well, anyway, he, of course, leads the zombie horde to the fake wall because he has a memory of it. And they bust through. He's trying to get home to Franny. Yeah. And he, but they bust through and they're coming. And Fran says, what is it? What is that sound? And for some reason, I don't know why I love his delivery on this. But when Peter goes, it's Steven. It's just, I don't know why the way he says, it's just like, oh, fuck, man, this is going to get real bad. Well, there's two different ways he was going to hear Steven come in. He was going to drop through the air shaft. Or or bust through a wall. Yeah. Uh, He tells Franny to get onto the helicopter, that he's staying behind, but she needs to fly out, and that he's just not leaving. Yep. So she gets up there and starts starting up the helicopter. He goes back into one of the bedrooms, this small little gun, just right up to his head. All the doors are closed, so he's waiting. Uh, Well, actually, before he does that, he gets, uh, before Franny even goes up, they wait until Steven busts through the door first and he kills Steven, so setting him free, because, you know, that's what he do. And he makes Franny go up to the helicopter. He goes back, takes a little gun, goes back into this other bedroom where he's just going to blow his own brains out. Uh, Franny kind of has the helicopter started. However, now the dead are able to climb ladders, apparently, so they're making their way up to the roof. I think they get a sense memory of what they're doing, and I think the stairs triggered it, where they're like, I yeah. can go up this too, because yeah. they went upstairs. Um, so they, they're starting to come up. They come through that door. Peter looks at one of the zombies and has a change of heart, blows his head off, and just kind of fights his way through the zombies. To uh, the sound of very enthusiastic needle dropped yeah, military music. exactly. I mean, I was like, that just so does not go with the rest of this movie, but okay. My wife and I both agreed. It really sounded like the A-Team. Like, we're like, I was we just going to say that it was like an episode of the A-Team. Yeah, we went to the A-Team. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> and he's able to fight through them, get up the stairs. Franny sees him just as she's taken off. She puts it back down. He gets into the back and they take off right away. Uh, he asks how much gas they have left. She says not much. He says good. Roll credits. should have said this. Roll happy credits because it was all the happy dinky the mall gonk. music. The gonk. The yeah. gonk. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Holy fuck. I love this fucking movie. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, I already kind of alluded to it, but there's a very special thing um, having to do with gifts that my wife has got for me. Um, every version of Dawn of the Dead I've had so far, she has bought for me. Yeah. She got me the special collector's edition VHS when they released that of what was then heralded as the director's cut, which is just the extended festival cut uh-huh. before he trimmed it down. The Anchor Bay multiple disc box set. She pre-ordered that for me for my birthday, even though I had to wait for it. No, really? (laughs) But yeah, she made sure she bought that for me for my birthday as well and pre-ordered it. And then the Blu-ray of it that I have, which is super out of print now, it's an uh, Anchor Bay Blu-ray, which is just the uh, regular theatrical cut. She also bought for me. Nice. So my love of that film comes primarily from her buying it for me and knowing that I like Romero zombie movies for my very first birthday when we first started dating. You love that movie. 
movie comes from the love of a good <laughs> good woman yes yes you got cut off there that, the love of a good woman so it has a special place in my heart for that and it wasn't until I got the multiple disc box set of it with the documentary and got to watch all of this stuff and hear the commentaries for it that I really started gaining additional respect for this movie yeah and it's definitely a big step forward in Romero's career because we talked about it earlier and this is the last little piece that I want to kind of mm-hmm. mention um, we covered on earlier episodes and I will post them in the group and Facebook of people want to see between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead Romero made two films Season of the Witch and There's Always Vanilla yes and both of those films were miserable failures and pretty much almost cost him his film career. like they were really bad they didn't turn out great at all yeah I mean Season of the Witch was okay but it wasn't that great of a flick and it wasn't until somehow Dario Argento and Richard P. Rubenstein kind of picked George up and got him going again yeah Dario actually paid for George to go over to Rome to write the script for this thing Jesus yeah like Dario just threw a bunch of money at him and said come here yeah and nurtured him so we actually as much as George Romero gets credit for the zombie craze that we have now Argento Argento should. played a very big he's hand like in the that. grandfather if you call patron saint kind of yeah he patron just, saint he well just patron let's yeah, saintly pa- patron in yeah this yeah case. there you go because if it wasn't for him funding and picking George up and kind of helping him out yeah in that time frame and I may be glorifying it more than it actually needs to be but Dario had a big role in his film the way that it is yeah and the reason that I happen to like his cut of it that was played over there is that sequence at the end where he comes barreling up they don't use that library music it's much matic yeah it's just you know he used a lot more of Goblin's music I gotcha George's love of uh, of needle drop records and like library music didn't really go away until after this film made uh-huh so yeah because Dade does not have stuff like that so yeah and that kind of uneven tone in the music kind of gets to me a little bit although I love the ending using the gonk after a somewhat of a downer ending I like that too I just say because especially because they also show zombies walking around the mall again yeah and it's all <laughs> anybody who has seen robot chicken yes that's it's that song yeah and anybody who has also listened to they must be destroyed on site will have heard that as well yes yeah. they must be destroyed on site that is a podcast that you should be listening to if you're not because they're a lot better at what they do than what we are <laughs> harsh but accurate <laughs> harsh and accurate and then the very last thing i wanted to say you know how i was talking about it's a downer ending yeah do you remember what the original downer the original ending was, ending was uh peter does shoot himself mm-hmm. in the head yeah and fran sees the dead pouring out into the roof she just can't stand it so she leaves the helicopter running gets out and stands up and it chops off her head yep she was going to be the one who loses her head yeah and that's why they did the cast of her uh-huh. as far as i understood it he blocks the door they're beating their way in he sends her up yeah she goes or he goes off to into the bedroom he does end up shooting himself she's gonna fly away in the chopper but she sees the steven zombie somehow even though she's yeah. injured makes it up to the top and then that makes her lose hope yeah or i think um maybe he didn't kill himself right and then he comes up a zombie or something happens something that, where she that just triggers loses her very hope. specific yeah. instead of just the i thought it was out. just hearing the gunshot she could like they made mention of it like she could hear it even over the the helicopter yeah and with that last gunshot she knew that she was alone and so she was just like fuck this and gave up hope yeah see that's the ending that i want yeah no i i would not mind that ending either because that would go right along with night yeah you know yeah it would be perfect but we didn't get that no there's always a little sparkle of hope for at least two to four people for the rest of the series give or take sometimes more. maybe some maybe sometimes a group but you better have a really big vehicle if you want to have a group surviving i thought about including more of that in clips yeah this is also a hard movie to clip yeah because there is not a shit ton of law 
long dialogues, not like in Night of the Living Dead, where they relied heavily on kind of the dialogue no, and the script. this one had a budget, man. This one had a budget, yeah. so their, the script was very light on uh, like long soliloquies or anything like that. They also didn't have the actor that they had with Dwayne Jones who yes. could deliver that kind who of a could deliver it, yeah. And just command a they performance. Did, they did not have the, the that kind of a mainstay big actor who could go through all of that. No, this one's kind of like Alien and Aliens, where this yeah. one is more of an action this film This is than almost anything. way yeah. more action. This a is, little bit. This is like, we've got... It's still very much horror, don't it's get still me wrong. Horror. But it's still horror. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what we mean is there's more horror in this than maybe in Night of the Living Dead, as in, number one, they're going to shoot in color. Number two, they had a budget for makeup and stuff, and, you know, so... Well, don't talk for me on that, because but, what I'm getting at is, it's more of a survival horror, which is more action-oriented. Oh, okay. And I you're would, right, actually. You're dead right. It is a more survival horror. I would say that Night of the Living Dead is more straight-up horror because they're yeah. trapped. Okay. And this is more on the road, on the road, trying I, to survive. I get what you're saying, yeah. and you're right on that. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely more survival horror, which means you're going to have a lot less dialogue. <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation a million times, and this is just the first time we've ever recorded it. Yeah, that's because that's true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's my last piece about the film, and we know you love the film. Yes, I wanna... fucking love it. I think I gushed enough while doing the reviews for this. I completely I agree. This is, love this this is even longer than what we went on Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this is a longer movie, too, yeah. than Night of the Living Dead. And we also knew we didn't have feedback to get to, so we weren't <laughs> rushing the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're going to just take one more break here, and we're going to close out this fucking already overlong show, so cue up that Legion podcast ending promo. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion podcast network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
All right, all right. I can't rock out to that too much. We've got to get this fucking show over with. Jesus Christ, we've been here for a week. Longest fucking show ever, and we even started fucking late, so I'm going to be all tired and cranky because I'm an old goddamn man. Yeah. And you kids better get off my goddamn lawn and get on the fucking page that we have for our landing page for our podcast. <laughs> Sleasionpodcast.com forward slash fucking cinema dash fucking psyops. Court someday going to go run out and say, you kids get off my lawn and get inside where there's a computer and go to our landing page. <laughs> <laughs> or you can get off my fucking lawn and go to our Facebook group, which is Cinema PsyOps. I'm there on Court PsyOps, you know. You can friend me there, and I guess once we're friends, you could probably, like, come near my lawn. But, but don't stand on it. But Just don't stand on my fucking Stay lawn. inside. Stay on the computer. Only listen to the podcast. What are you doing? Matt is also on Facebook as Matt PsyOp, where he'll gladly have you on his fucking lawn, I guess. I don't fuck. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you can email feedback to Matt, PsyopMatt at gmail.com, and ask him whether or not you can be on his fucking lawn, I guess. I don't know if you fucking care. No, be it. Side, listen to the podcast. Only the podcast matters. You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com, where he will accept all apologies for being on his fucking lawn. <laughs> but not really, because if you're emailing him, you're not listening to the podcast. You could tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of fucking twats on the hate filled shit fest of people that always want to get on my fucking lawn. Twitter, I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. I don't understand how you have all this time to be twittering. You should be listening to the fucking podcast. You can also go on my fucking Instagram where I'm might have photos of my lawn so you know which one to stay the fuck off of. Also, photos of my really adorable cats. That's cinema underscore psyops. Hey, you don't have time to be looking at pictures of adorable cats. You gotta be listening to the fucking podcast, man. Well, they can be doing both. Oh, oh, you can? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Just make sure you li- Whatever you're doing, just do it while you're listening to the podcast. Also, stay the fuck off my lawn, kick the fuck out of this week, and make it your bitch. If you ever go in and your doctor's younger than you, you're like, well, fuck, I have officially not done anything. Well, depending upon where you go, because I've gone to clinics where that has happened because they're literally fresh out of medical school. (laughs) Yeah, that makes me a little concerned. I'm always like, when I see a younger person, I'm like, can I have someone with experience come in, please? I'm here for an STD test, and I would prefer to not have someone who hasn't done this before shove that thing up my pee-pee hole. Oh, what do you mean? Uh, Medical stuff? No, sex. It doesn't look like you've ever had sex before, so I need you to get the fuck out of here. Right. This is not the sort of procedure that I'm willing to let a snot-nosed brat do on me. I'm sorry. Call me ageist. Hey, listen. Why don't you stop judging me there, Chad? All right? At least I'm having sex. What are you doing with yourself out there?
Fucking just pulled it to pull it, probably. Wow. <laughs> You're now clipping your own clips I by just saying my own them. Clips, yeah, fuck it. Are you doing a bunch of backflips to talk about how I should treat my anxiety with medical marijuana? Yes. But that's not in this state. It's No, I'm saying, though, because our governor's so uncool. It's going to be literally around every other state before Nebraska cashes in. You know Iowa will go first before us, definitely. Iowa's fucking pretty close. they got to be close, because they're way more liberal state than we are. In certain sections, but in others, it's much worse. Remember, they elected Steve King. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. You know Minnesota will get it here soon. <laughs> I mean, it's coming. Basically, all the states are starting to look at that and wanting that money. They're starting to yeah. drill over it. Oh, yeah. and hey, even, look at that money. And even Republicans and lobbyists are starting to get in on it. They yeah. realized what a fuck up it was to leave it illegal for all this time. Well, it's because finally some lobby, somebody got enough money together behind it, yeah. looked at the landscape of the world, realized tobacco's getting kind of really cluttered under to the point where it might be made illegal for anybody to have cigarettes ever. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that's going to be a fun way to watch some people just crumble like that. But you saw so many, if you really look, Philip Morris all these companies years ago were starting their own divisions for hemp and marijuana and then they just slowly did it underneath the guys and then just then started throwing money the lobbyists threw money at the you know the government the senators and congressmen who can make this happen and that's why it started happening now slowly but surely yeah I think it'll, it'll happen federally before too long just that's where the money is you know yeah, well, what the fuck that's I mean let's face it you want to run on a real leftist platform yeah you promise the people all of these government and social programs and you tell them the way they're going to pay for it is by having addicts pay the government. Yes. <laughs> yes. All those horrible weed doers. They could pay for all our stuff. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to legalize the marijuanas and all these weed junkies are going to pay for your kids' college. Yeah. Your social programs that you don't want on your tax dollar. Well, it's not on your tax dollar anymore. It's on the weed heads. Are you doing Bernie right now? I don't think so, but you're, my hands are... The hands. You were doing Bernie with the hands. <laughs> like, the voice was Southern, but the the hand movement was definitely New York. Well, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to take all... No, that's a little more to ask, Jones. I'm not even going to bother. I was trying to do my Southern Baptist ministry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Coming. That's about the same. You're right. You're right. Yeah, well, you, you replace that with like a really liberal guy who's like trying to sell everybody on the Star Trek universe system of government. Yes. And <laughs> then you have... You have uh, that's how, that's how he needs to package his shit. He's yeah. like, you want what Star Trek has? Let's do that. Who here did love Star Trek The Next Generation? Right? We're going to get to that. That's what we're going to do. You like the Orville? Let me tell you what made the Orville possible. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. <laughs> They're going to go run back upstairs. They are no, go run back downstairs to draw them there. Uh, er, uh, sorry. Hold on. One, two, three.